You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And this week it is episode 152. And it's one of our Patreon poll winning episodes. Very special. Uh, As you may know from my obnoxious Patreon plug each and every week, one of the perks our Patreons get is the chance to vote for a game that we'll cover on the show each month. Now the polls are made up of games that I have not played that our listeners have asked for us to cover on the show. And uh, Parasite Eve for the PlayStation 1 took the... It feels so weird calling it the PlayStation 1 and not just the PlayStation, but the PS1, I guess it is. Anyway, uh, Parasite Eve for the PS1 took down the poll back in April. My apologies for the delay on how long this took. I usually try to get the poll winners up the following month. Obviously, I need time to play them and then do the episode and everything. Uh, But I had a harder time tracking down parasite eve to be able to play it this time around so shout out to my buddy dave for giving me a sweetheart deal on a playstation 3 i then bought it off the ps3 psn for six bucks i played through it and i have uh, i have a lot to say about this thing quick note by the way if you still have a ps3 hooked up log into the psn 
I mean, I'm not, there's no crazy sales or anything on there, but there's a lot of PS1 and PS2. There's a lot of shit on there. I'm gonna, I'm hoping they throw like a big sale before they do finally close the PSN for the PlayStation 3. I'm gonna stock up, man. Um, it's worth having one just for that stuff. But anyway, very funky game, Parasite Eve. Uh, my guest this week returning to the show is my good buddy Tyler, regular here at Remember the Game Industries. And we had a nice beefy chat about Aya, 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 A-Y-A. The protagonist of Parasite Eve. I, to me, I can say it as Aya or Aya, just depending on my mood. So I may say both for the rest of this podcast. But we had a nice beefy chat about Aya, about Eve, about parasites, about spontaneous combustion, which this game is full of. Uh, it was a good game. It was just a little slow for my liking. But we'll get into that because uh, speaking of being just a little slow, it's time for yet another edition of the Remember the Game infamous intro. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Consider this your warning. Our intros are quite long. Maybe you started listening to the old episodes where they were only like 25 minutes long total. Our intros have a little bit of beef to them now, Uh, but they're fun. It's lots of video game talk, stuff like that, good times. Our intros... We're the roller coaster as it's climbing the track. We're we're climbing, and you're just getting ready to try not to shit your pants. That's what our that's how I would describe our intro. It's just a bunch of people trying not to shit their pants. Uh, we have merchandise. I, I plug it every week. We have hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, and I've actually got a lot of good feedback on the t-shirts and the hoodies as far as the quality goes. And I have some myself. I wear them. I ordered samples before we listed them just to make sure that they felt good and they weren't shitty. And they're actually really comfortable. So you can find all of our merch over at Remember the Game podcast.com it features sweet art drawn by my boy joe over at 4545creative.com so if you're interested check that out great way to support the podcast and of course the easiest way the cheapest way to support the podcast is supporting us over on the old patreon service we smashed the 300 we were at like 296 or 297 last week we're almost 310 now it's we fucking smashed that 300 milestone onward and upward baby so thank you all so much for the support and you get dude i'm telling you the value you get on patreon and i don't often suck my own dick on the show well maybe i I don't think i do but i we give a lot of value for your dollar over there for just two bucks us uh a month you get a mountain of stuff on Patreon. And in addition to all that other stuff, you get two extra podcasts every week. You get exclusive access to both my gaming news show, Game Patch, every Friday morning, along with my gaming discussion podcast, Expansion Pass, every Sunday morning. You also get instant access to the entire back catalog of those. There's well over 100 podcasts sitting in there now. This past Sunday on Expansion Pass, we made our E3 predictions, as every gaming podcast is contractually obligated to do. And as is becoming tradition here in the intro, here's a sneak peek of last Sunday's expansion pass, our E3 2021 predictions. So this is my Ubisoft prediction. Uh, and it, maybe it gets announced at Xbox's presentation, maybe it gets announced at Ubisoft's, but my next, next my, my personal next prediction is that Ubisoft Connect, which was Ubisoft Play, which is their EA Play slash Game Pass, whatever, uh, will be added to Game Pass Ultimate. It'll be rolled in just like EA Play is, so when you sign up for a Game Pass Ultimate subscription, you instantly get access to Ubisoft Connect and... They're going to do it as of today or as of this week, or maybe they can't do today because then they'd have to add all these games. But in the next couple of weeks, if it's not that day, like by July, Ubisoft Connect will officially be part of Game Pass Ultimate. 
all of us Game Pass hot dogs, Game Pass nerds. I was gonna say nerds, but we're hot dogs. All of us Game Pass hot dogs lose our shit, get super excited. It means I don't have to pay for Far Cry 6 because it's gonna be coming right to my goddamn Game Pass. And it makes sense. Ubisoft discounts their games 24 hours after they're released. So that was last Sunday's episode. And now for this weekend's show. I think I'm going to review Returnal for the PlayStation 5. I've been playing it quite a bit. I have a lot to say. Frankly, I think it's taking a little bit more shit than it deserves. Um, And so I think that's where we're going to go with it. I really want to do a ranking episode again soon, too. And I've been thinking about ranking my favorite non-Nintendo franchises. At some point, I'm going to rank the Nintendo franchises, too. But a lot of people ask about the games, like because everyone knows, I think, I'm a Nintendo, I'm a Nintendo homer. Um, but I have some absolute favorite franchises outside of Nintendo. So so we're going to do that, I think. So in one order or the other, those will probably be the next two expansion passes. A Returnal review and a ranking of non-Nintendo franchises. I'm definitely going to be doing a review of Ratchet & Clank in the coming weeks, and I'll probably review Mario Golf as well. we got lots of games coming out soon, so I'm going to start throwing reviews in there. All kinds of fun stuff going on over in Expansion Pass World. And then for looking back on E3, we'll do that on next week's Game Patch, um, which is my gaming news show. I might even flip the order and do Game Patch a day early just to get all of the E3 news in there, but that'll be next week. So again... $2 gets you all those podcasts. And then in addition to all that, you get access to our Discord. You can vote in our Patreon poll. You can send in comments to be read on all the podcasts. You can DM with me. And you get a shout out and get to hear me mispronounce your name just like I'm about to do to a whole bunch of these people. A huge thank you to all of our newest patrons. Burger, <laughs> fuck me, here we go. Burgerak, Burger Eden Awaits 1981. Tunable Power, The Gray Bearded One, Dan Taylor, Swanee, Joshua J. Hazelman, Lukey Mole, and Danny Proudfoot. Thank you all so much. Welcome to Remember the Game Industries. Consider it a badge of honor if I mispronounced your name in there. Patreon.com slash Remember the Game. This is a little independently owned show and we're growing because of the support from all of you. So thank you very, very much. I have a P.O. Box. You can find the full address at our website, RememberTheGamePodcast.com. Just shoot me something little, a letter, a postcard, something small. Let me know where you're listening. I'll send you a Remember the Game postcard back and we'll be best friends and that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and I stream on Twitch. I, I'm, I've disabled or I will be disabling. I, I can't disable them right now because we have like $120 in the Twitch account from subs from you guys. And if I disable subs right now, Twitch will keep that. And it's not even that I need the 120 bucks, but fuck that. I'm not, they, they take too fucking much of it. I'm not gonna let them keep your money. So later this month, I'll be disabling subs on the channel and then it'll be free you can donate if you want but i just expect you just come hang out and have fun so i stream there i try to shoot for tuesday wednesday nights saturday afternoons it doesn't always work but just follow member the game over on twitch not remember member the game over on twitch it'll tell you whenever i'm on there and then you can come hang out play video games with me yell at me whatever you want to do it's a lot of fun Whew, that's enough blowing myself. Let's blow some of you with, by blowing in the cartridge. It is our opening segment on the show. I read a few comments and questions from our Patreons, usually gaming-related, but not always. And we call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. He blows all right. He blows big time. That's it, honey. Get into the spirit. <laughs> Let's blow. Uh, and just before I get into reading some individual comments, thank you to everyone that wrote in about the Streets of Rage episode from last week. Seriously, there was... Like, we're getting up to, like, 30 submissions on Blowing in the Cartridge every week, which is fucking insane. I can't read all of them. But we we must have had four or five people write in 
Uh, just saying how they enjoyed the Streets of Rage episode from last week, how it inspired them to go out and try Streets of Rage. I didn't have a single person write in and say they thought the franchise was overrated or anything. We did have several people write in and be like, how have I never played this before? Which is exactly how I felt the first time I played Streets of Rage. So thank you for the nice comments. I really, really appreciate it. I just didn't want to blow smoke up my own ass for the whole segment and just read all these comments being like, hey, love your show, love the podcast. Uh, but I did read them all. I appreciated them all. And I'm glad you're all you're all part of the Streets of Rage cult that I have become a member of myself. We're all drinking that ragey Kool-Aid. But now, some individual comments from people. Raging Demon wrote into us on Patreon and said, Hey man, isn't it so bonkers that developers are literally nerfing all the next-gen games eight months after next-gen consoles were released? These are crazy times. Chip shortages, game delays. You've mentioned it causing delays so that they can release a game on both generations at the same time. And you talked about it a little bit in the Discord as well. I just wanted to hear more of your thoughts on it. I kind of want them to just do what they did when they were phasing out 8-bit consoles and have drastically different versions and really see what they can do on the new hardware. I don't think it'd be that crazy to say this is going to go on for at least another year. And yeah, so what Demon's talking about, if you don't listen to our other podcasts, is... um, Last week, it was announced that the upcoming God of War game is going to be available on both PS5 and PS4. And they've been, obviously, as you may or may not know, both both Microsoft and Sony have been doing that a lot with their next games. And the thing is, is I get it, okay? Because, the like, I understand what you're saying, Demon, that you'd love to see them just kind of do what they did with, like, the NES to SNES and just... Forget the old stuff, we're building the new stuff. I get that the technological jump from, like, say, the PS4 to the PS5 is not as insane as it was from the NES to the SNES. I get all that. And I also get why developers are putting games on last-gen consoles plus next-gen consoles because there's a 100-some million last-gen systems out there. There's, like, 5 million next-gen. So if it's not that hard to right-click, save as your game, and make it a last-gen system, then why not do it and put it on last-gen? Um... The, the reason I wanted to bring this up was because it did kind of spark a, a several conversations in the Discord, on social media, on here on Patreon. And I just want to clarify, I don't think, like, for example, God of War 2 has been delayed into 2022 because of the fact that they're making it on PS4. I don't think putting games on last-gen hardware is causing these gigantic delays. That's not my problem with it. I don't even have a problem with, say, for the first year or so of PS5 and Xbox Series everything, putting the games that are made for those consoles on last-gen consoles as well, because not everyone can upgrade right away, and that way they can still experience it. I'm all for that. My problem with this is that God of War 2 is coming out in at least 2022. So, like, the PS5 potentially is going to be two years old when God of War 2 launches on it, and you're still putting it on PS4. It starts to beg the question... Why did I shell out $500 or whatever it is I paid more here in Canada for a PS5 and an Xbox Series X when all of those systems or all the games are going to be on last-gen hardware? At some point, you've got to commit to next-gen. And, and I'm telling you, I, I don't know if the games are suffering being put on two consoles, but where my big qualm comes in is I promise you there are ideas being left on the development floor because they're like, well, last-gen hardware can't run this. For example, the new Ratchet & Clank game that's coming out on PS5 this weekend is not available on PS4 because the game requires the SSD that is in the PS5 to make the whole thing you're ripping between dimensions work. To make the, the core gameplay mechanic work, you need next-gen hardware. And that's what I want. It's not about taking games away from last generation. I don't think games are getting super delayed by being put on last-generation hardware. But who knows what ideas 
as they had for, say, Halo Infinite or they had for God of War 2 that they had to leave out because last gen consoles can't run it. That's my problem, okay? I understand they're a business and they need to make money, but at some point, you gotta commit to the next gen hardware and you gotta make this hardware work and do the stuff that it's supposed to do and make these games special and justify to the millions of people out there that are spending hundreds of dollars on these systems. Why did we spend hundreds of dollars on these systems? You give us something. That's my, so just to make the record clear, that's my problem. All right, I don't I I'm all for letting all for letting last gen players play these games. It's not like I'm a snob who's like, "Oh, I have a PS5 and anyone that has an upgrade yet shouldn't be allowed to play God of War 2." That's not it. My problem is like I've got this, you know, technologically crazy advanced piece of video game hardware here and I you can't convince me that there's not certain things that this hardware could do that you're leaving behind so that you can make it run on last gen hardware as well. You can't convince me that they're not going to there's not ideas getting left behind. That's my concern, okay? So just for everyone that's been cuz I've got a lot of messages from people saying like dude it's not delaying the games and I don't I don't I'm not I don't think it's delaying the games that far either. I just think it's kind of I don't know what the term I'm looking for. Watering them down, we'll say, is the term. So that's that's where I come out on all of this. Thanks for writing in, Demon, and I hope that that explains my stance on it just a little bit better to those of you that have been yelling at me. You, mo most of you haven't been yelling at me, but just for the record. Uh, Dan Taylor wrote... <laughs> I like this comment. Dan Taylor wrote in on Patreon and said, Imagine a company, for some reason, decides to release an Adam Blank action figure. What would the five catchphrases that it comes pre-programmed with be? For example, meat on the bone. So the reason I'm answering this, Dan, is not, you know, not to make you feel bad or anything, but I was going to glaze over this because I was like, well, that kind of makes me look like an arrogant piece of shit if I'm like, what would my action figure say? But it, this, this question had like a dozen likes on the Patreon page. So clearly people thought it was funny. And I actually think it's funny myself. So I was like, all right, this is a good question. I'll answer that. I would love an action figure. First, my action figure would be that one that, you know, when you go to Walmart and they have like the discount rack up by the checkout with like the dented cans and the about to expire baby food. My action figure would be sitting right there with it. Just the worst fucking action figure ever made. Maybe worse than the Al Gore doll that we all know and love. Shout out to anyone that gets that reference. Um... What would my action figure say? That's a good question because I don't listen to myself. I fucking hate listening to myself. And to be fair, I didn't realize I said meat on the bone as much as I do until all of you started pointing it out. So meat on the bone is absolutely one of the five phrases. So you pull the strings and it's meat on the bone. Uh, fuck right off has to be one. Uh, I need a line, which if you ever come by Tetris Tuesday on Twitch, I is I need a line, I need a line. So I need a line is one. Uh, son of an ass is probably one because I say that a lot. And then, oh, my fifth one is my spider sense is tingling. And shout out to anyone gets that reference. And the reference isn't just to Spider-Man. There's a specific reference to a doll saying that when it's not supposed to. That would be my fifth one. And maybe something like, let's make some cookies so the boys will like us, which is the same reference as the Spider-Man thing. But fuck yeah. Maybe someday when we get big enough. You know what I want? A Funko. Dude, oh, I would love a Funko of me. Just and one of the eyes is fucking anyway, rolling off the side of the head. I'm just I'm so full of myself. Okay, thanks, Dan. Omega88 wrote in and said, after messaging you about my game room wall art design, what are your favorite and least favorite game box art designs? After searching, I found some brilliant ones I didn't even know existed, and they all seem to be on the older system, which is perfect for my game room. So Omega had messaged me, and I don't remember what platform it was on. 
Omega, my I think Twitter, my apologies. But Omega had messaged me being like, hey, I'm going to put some like, I'm going to make some art or get like some posters or whatever from some classic uh, box art. So they were asking me for any, and I suggested uh, Turtles in Time because I think that game has phenomenal box art. So what are my favorite and least favorite game box art designs? My favorite is either Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, where the four turtles are breaking through the brick wall on their skateboards. I've always wanted a poster of that. Or the any of the, well, Mega Man 1 or 2. The ones where he's like a normal man holding a gun. And they clearly knew nothing about the franchise. Those are easily my favorite box arts. My least favorite gaming box art? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know if I have a least favorite gaming box art uh hmm i mean i gotta give you something because that would that it would be you know uh hmm i should have been ready for this i truly can't think of one that like i hate like a bad video game box art uh hmm i don't i know it's you know oh you know what Super Mario World. Super Mario World's box art fucking sucks. Just that blue fucking single shade background with Mario sitting on Yoshi and Yoshi with that shit-eating grin on his face. It's it's my favorite game of all time. Maybe my least favorite box art. I fucking hate that box art. It could have been so much better than it was. So that, that would be my least favorite. Or Mario's missing because it makes it look like an actual game when it fucking isn't. So that would be... Yeah, that'd be my answer. Super Dave wrote in and said, how many times have you walked into a retro game store with the intent of actually buying a game? Only about one out of 10 times have I actually walked out of my local store with a game from my GameCube, PS2, or Game Boy Advance. I just enjoy browsing through the memories, but I also feel slightly guilty for walking out. Uh, Dave, I would say 99 out of 100 times when I go into one of the stores here in Edmonton, I don't actually intend to buy a game. Because usually when I go into, like, we only have a few stores here. And I know there's a couple of good ones, but the one that comes to my mind is a place called Game City, and they're in some of the malls here in Edmonton, and they're just ridiculously priced, fucking obnoxiously priced. Like, I'm not giving you like $35 for a copy of Super Mario Brothers 3. Fist yourself. I get you have overhead and everything like that, but also I'm a cheap piece of shit and go hell, go to hell. Um, so I'd say 99 of 100 times I don't go in planning to buy anything. I go in to look around because my girlfriend is buying something boring and I'm like a little kid. She won't take me to... Dude, I'm a 37-year-old man and my girlfriend will not take me to a boring store because she knows that I'll just pout wine. My feet hurt. I'm tired. I want to go home. So she just lets me go to the video... She says, say where she can see me, but she lets me go to the video game stores and I look around in there. Having said that, I am slow. I don't want to get into collecting again. I got out of collecting. But I, I I am slowly accumulating the odd GameCube game again. So usually when I go in, that's what I look at. And I kind of hope to catch them sleeping and pick up like a Metroid Prime cheap or something. And it just never happens. But yeah, 99. And I don't feel guilty about it at all. I don't, I've worked fucking in those jobs. They don't give a shit. The kid falling asleep behind the counter doesn't fucking care. So support, dude, support your local mom and pop video game stores if they're fucking not dickheads. And if they're complete if they're complete pieces of shit just go in there and look around and fucking wipe your nose on your hand and touch the boxes and i'm gonna hear someone's gonna fucking write in and yell at me for that but i stand by it 
James Anderson wrote in and said, so I started playing Mass Effect 1 on Game Pass. I love all types of RPGs and I enjoyed BioWare's KOTOR series. I'm almost done with the first Mass Effect and so far so good. The game does show its age though. I'm begging for a sprint key. The walking is so slow and a jump key, but the role playing mechanics are solid and the lore and story is interesting. Have you thought about doing a Mass Effect series episode of Expansion Pass or maybe a Remember the Game episode with the Legendary Edition out uh, as it would just be as good as time of as any so i have played the all three of the mass effect games james and i i really like them mass effect 2 is the fucking gem um i we have kind of loose plans to talk about a mass effect on the show eventually the problem is that like i haven't i only ever played them one time and i know that the legendary edition's out and by all accounts the legendary edition is really good i have no interest in going back to that series because they're just too long there's just way too much. I'm not going to use the meat on the bone phrase, but because there's a lot of fat in there too. It's not just meat, but uh, they're just too big. So I don't really have any interest in playing them ever again. Like I have no intention of picking up the remastered trilogy or anything. Um, but at some point, yeah, we are def. At some point, we're going to talk Mass Effect on the show. I, I, you guys have my word on that. At some point, we will talk. I would really like to just do an episode about Mass Effect too, because I. It's one of my favorite RPGs ever. I think that game is a fucking masterpiece. So I'll tell you, James, by the way, if you're enjoying Mass Effect 1, you're going to love Mass Effect 2. So yeah, at some point, we will talk about the Mass Effect games. Kaiser Dragon wrote in and said, Okay, Adam, a little scene-setting challenge for you here. It's a simple question, but it might be hard to answer. If you won $10,000 to spend on your own gaming den slash man cave, what would you kit it out with? And we want the details down to the color of your shelving, light colors, the models slash memorabilia you have on display. As I said, simple question, but without visual props, it's going to be trickier to answer. I'm sure you'll give us all a vivid image of how the Remember the Game Industries blank cave would look. Thanks for writing in, Dragon. You're not going to like my answer very much, but I actually, in our first house, because this the house we live in now is a townhouse. This is our second place. We used to have a bungalow. It was a single-family bungalow house. That was our first ever home. And it had this giant basement, and I had so much like sports memorabilia down there. I had video games down there. I loved it. And then I kind of, as I got older, realized that like, I'm not, and listen, for all of you that collect memorabilia or video games or anything, I'm not shitting on you at all. I miss collecting some of that stuff, but I sold a lot of it and was like, I don't want a lot of stuff. Like I would rather travel. That's my, that's where I want most of my money going is to travel. That's my girlfriend and I like to do. Uh, so not to give you a lame answer, but if I won 10 grand to spend on my own basement or whatever for gaming, um, it, I would honestly just spend it on a couple of arcade machines. Like that's, I know maybe that's not the answer you were looking for. You were picturing like all the shelves with the fancy lights and stuff like that. It would be, I would, I would, I would buy a vintage, uh, authentic Miss Pac-Man arcade machine. I would buy a pinball machine of either Ghostbusters or Ninja Turtles. Um, I would probably get a vintage Donkey Kong arcade machine and that would probably be most of my 10 grand. Like, cause I would want the real deal, thousands of dollars. They weigh 800 pounds. Um, that's yeah. Like it, I know it's not a great answer, but I saw your question and I was like, I kind of had that and I don't really want it again. I, I prefer digital media. I like to play my games downloaded if I can, cause I like less clutter. Um, and yeah, I, I would spend it all on just two or three, uh, retro ar arcade machines that are like, oh, a Miss Pac-Man arcade machine is my whitest whale. I, I would, 
someday, someday I want to have enough cash to just buy, like, just drop a couple of grand on a fucking mint condition, 800 pound Miss Pac-Man arcade machine. That, oh yeah. So sorry to kind of shit on your, or not shit on your question, but to give you a shitty answer, Dragon. But that truly is what I would want. I don't really want a full basement of stuff anymore. I just, just want some arcade machines. Uh, oh yeah, and maybe some Lego. Yeah, maybe some Lego. Uh, all right, and then finally, one more question. It's letter time. It's letter time. And Astro Alpica wrote into us on Patreon and said, Hey, Adam, here's a question for you. After listening to your podcasts about divisive games such as Final Fantasy VIII, Star Fox 64, and your consistent malcontent toward the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, what elements do you think these games have in common that provide drastic experiences among players? Nobody hates Mario, but everybody hates Mario is missing, except Marvin Q because he's a fucking idiot. Why is there such a divide amongst the games mentioned above? Thanks for all the good work well thank you for writing in astro i will say for the record i don't think star fox 64 is nearly the as as is it divisive or divisive i think it's both i think both work i say divisive anyway i don't think star fox 64 splits the audience nearly as much as final fantasy 8 or majora's mask does i think i'm in the vast minority disliking star fox 64 but final fantasy 8 and majora's mask uh are great examples of like to me, it's a it's a, part of it is it's a franchise trying to do something different, and part of it is it's a franchise putting out a game after one of the greatest games in the series' history, right? Like uh, Majora's Mask came after Ocarina of Time, and while I'm not the world's biggest Ocarina of Time fan, undeniable uh, that that game is 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 an absolute game breaker, game changer, iconic title one of the greats no uh, even i'm willing to admit that the legends of the ocarina of time is a gem and so when you're releasing what for all intents and purposes is considered like the sequel or the next in line after an ocarina of time or in this case final fantasy 8 after final fantasy 7 which many people consider to be the gold standard for final fantasy when you're releasing the next game after those the expectations are almost unreachable Unless you just do the exact same thing, which they didn't do, right? When you look at Mario Galaxy 2 after Mario Galaxy, everybody loves it. Some people like Mario Galaxy 2 better. I think I do as well. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, but they basically just did what they did the first time and just made it a little bit better, right? Whereas, like, you look at Mario Sunshine, which is, to, to many people, uh, in many people's opinions, one of the most controversial games in the Mario franchise, and it came after Mario 64, which is almost universally beloved. So Majora's Mask... Everyone was waiting for a sequel to Ocarina of Time and then Majora's Mask came out and it was just completely different and fucking weird. And some people, myself included, were like, well, what the fuck is this? I Fuck, I hate that game. And Final Fantasy VIII, which I like, just changed up the, the recipe from Final Fantasy VII after everybody was basically like, oh. I mean, Final Fantasy VIII could have been... I don't know how that game couldn't have gotten shit because it was following Final Fantasy VII, which was just you know, the fucking, the be all end all for that series. And a lot, and I know some of you don't like it. I get, I, I'm okay. I like it, but whatever. Uh, but Final Fantasy eight changed the script. And I think that that's, that's what I think the common denominator is among some of those games is that they, they, they didn't do what the last game did. And the last game was so well received that everybody just wanted more of that. And then the developers tried to do something completely different. And sometimes that works. Um, and, Sometimes it doesn't. So I'm Majora's Mask. I, I'm I fucking get so hesitant to talk about Majora's Mask because I know it is by far the game that I hate the most that more people love. But I fuck I hate that game. Anyway, 
to answer your question, Astro, I think that's the issue with games like that is just they changed the script and people didn't want the script changed. And if you're going to, and, and it, you know what? Half of me respects a game developer for doing something like that and changing the script and trying something different. And the other half of me is like, it's not broken. Don't fix it. But then if they do the same thing over again, they catch shit for that. Jack two, dude, Jack two is a great example. Jack and Daxter, I think is fucking outstanding. I adore that game. I didn't love Jack 2 because they completely changed the... It's it's a whole different game just with the same characters. And even the characters changed a whole bunch. And I I fucking... I didn't like it. I'm like, just give me more of what you just did. Just give me that again. So I think that's the problem with those games. I think anyone... I'm not going to say anyone that hates on Final Fantasy VIII is wrong, but I personally like that game. And I'm not going to say anyone that likes Majora's Mask is wrong, but I personally despise that game. So you are kind of wrong. Anyway... That's good stuff. Thanks for writing in, Astro. Thanks for writing in everybody that wrote in, whether you got read or not. I read them all personally. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, let's let's shift the uh, let's shift gears. I'm not doing game patch right now. I'm doing something else. Let's let's talk about our smash. Fuck, I'm. Let's get into our smash it segment. Play one, remake one, erase one. Jesus, I fucked that up a lot. Uh, thank you to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with the theme music for the show. The rules are simple. Every week I give our listeners three retro video games. They can play one as it was released. They can remake one as a modern game. Third game is a race from time forever. And for this week, since we're talking Parasite Eve on the podcast, I wanted to stay with that PlayStation theme and I just played Parasite Eve for the first time. So this week's theme is PlayStation games that I want to play for the first time but haven't played yet edition. And it features Siphon Filter, Dino Crisis, and Tenchu Stealth Assassins. Uh, as always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a right one. We'll get to that in just a minute. And uh, according to the poll over on Patreon, the popular answer with 33% of the vote is to play Tenchu, remake Dino Crisis, and erase siphon filter. Now that's not what I would do, but again, I want to stress, I have not played any of these games. So while my answer is the right one, I don't know what I'm talking about. So just getting that out there now for the record. Let's look at some of your answers first before we get into the correct one. Daniel wrote in and said, hell to the motherfucking yes. Remake the shit out of Dino Crisis. That game was awesome. Play siphon filter. It's an okay game, I guess. Uh, I'm sure some other game did it better. Okay, I don't remember much of Siphon Filters, so just play it. And what the hell is a Tenchu? I've never heard of it and definitely never played it. Well, I don't think I did, but nevertheless, I'm saying goodbye to... What was that game called again? Just remake Dino Crisis. Daniel, that's a fair answer with sound logic all the way around. You threw a lot of shit at Tenchu, which I'm not going to defend because I haven't played it. But I know there are some people listening to this right now that are grinding their fucking teeth at the disrespect you're showing Tenchu, especially at the sake of Dino Crisis, which some other people wanted to erase. But I can get on board with your logic. Not what I would do. Sound, You get a B plus. Sound reasoning all around. Rogue Agent wrote in and said, I would play Tenchu. Because this game was ahead of its time, proper, solid, but the way you could approach gameplay and load out your items just before starting a level was a game changer. Just like modern games now with your weapon loadouts. The reason it doesn't get a remake is because Ghost of Tsushima has raised the bar, and honestly, I don't think it can be bested. Uh, I would remake Siphon Filter. Both games were amazing back in the day, but when I got my PlayStation Classic, I booted it up, and what a disappointment with how it looks and plays. 
by today's standards. It needs a massive upgrade. This game in its heyday was as good as Metal Gear Solid, but much more action-packed. So maybe how the Metal Gear Solid franchise grew is how this could be done as well. And then as much as Dino Crisis is basically Resident Evil with dinosaurs, I'd happily send it to the grinder. Nothing wrong with the quality of the game. I'll just sleep better knowing that the other two still exist. So I will say, Rogue, you're not the only one that wrote in and basically said Tenchu in some ways is like a prehistoric Ghost of Tsushima. And that gets me a little bit hard because God damn, do I love me some Ghost of Tsushima. So I can get on board with that. And fair enough. If you like the other two, Dino Crisis is Resident Evil with dinosaurs. I mean, you're wrong to erase it because that game looks fucking dope. But I, fair enough. I can get on board with that. I don't have anyone to really get mad at today. Hammond Agar wrote in and said, well, I'm erasing Tenchu because I don't even know what it is. So I'm not going to miss it. So there's more Tenchu shade. Uh, Hammond Agar said, I would play Dino Crisis because it was an okay game, but I don't really think it's worth someone's valuable time to remake it. I would be very excited if someone were to remake Siphon Filter. I would imagine if I were trying to play this game today, it would not match up to the incredible memories I have of it. So yes, please someone remake this so I can enjoy it once again. Now I will say uh, a common theme amongst the write-ins is that Siphon Filter has aged the most assy of the three. I think that's an official term around here now. It's aged the most assy. Does not sound like Siphon Filter has aged well at all. Frankly, I don't think it looks that great to begin with but that's me i didn't play it don't yell at me i'm probably never gonna play that one because the overwhelming consensus even from diehard fans is that it just is not it's aged like a fucking bag of potatoes so or something that why do i always go to potatoes when i talk about bad things aging why do i always go to food i'm not even hungry right now fuck anyway emily luna Rodin said I would play Tenchu because I'd never played it before. I like that logic. I would remake Dino Crisis in the same style as the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes because that sounds fucking awesome. I'd love to see the dinosaurs in today's style. And finally, I'd erase Siphon Filter because it's straight up garbage and it bored the ever-living fuck out of me. Emily, I am one million... Having never played Dino Crisis, I'm a million percent on board with the idea of remaking it in the same style as Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake. That sounds fucking sick. And I... I'll explain my logic in a minute, but I like the cut of your jib. I like that idea. King Bahamut said, I felt this, or pardon me, King Bahamut felt the same way as Emily. Uh, this one's a bit easier for me than the last few. I played Tenchu. The game was decently difficult, but fun and had a few titles for consoles beyond the original PlayStation. I would remake Dino Crisis because it deserves it, in my opinion. The series faded into obscurity after the fiasco of a third game, and I believe it's earned a chance to be remade on the Resident Evil engine. The Dino horror theme has always interested me ever since I saw Jurassic Park. And lastly, I would erase Siphon Filter because I simply haven't played it, but I have seen some videos on the internet of it, and while it seems fun, I wouldn't want to remake or play it over the other choices see now i usually come down on people for erasing a game that they've never played but i get where you're coming from king if there's two games in the play and remake slots that i have an attachment to i'm not throwing one of them away for a game that i don't know particularly a game that even the siphon filter fans are pooping on uh and paul wrote in and said i've only played siphon filter so that makes it tough i played dino crisis remake siphon filter and erase tenchu i'd really like to try dino crisis i loved siphon filter but the graphics were okay then so they definitely st stink now but tasing someone until their body burst into flames was very fun and i'd like to do that again with better graphics and then i'd erase tenchu because siphon filter and metal gear solid have the stealth game genre covered i had no idea that you could tase somebody in uh, siphon filter until they burst into flames that bought it a point in my book paul because that's a that's fucking that's pretty badass i did not know that uh, however you're all wrong 
Eat It Awaits 1981, Raging Demon, Game Nomad Messi, Thor the Hammer, Chris Coplin, and Slick Rick all had it right. And Rick is the one I'm going to read because Rick, who usually cheats at this fucking game and is on like quintuple secret probation, fell ass backwards into the right answer. Listen to this. Remake Tenchu. That game was sweet in its time, and after playing Ghost of Tsushima and getting a taste of some stealth action with a sword, a new Tenchu would be kick-ass. Erase Siphon Filter. I played a lot of this game, but I don't think it would hold up, and there's enough out there like this one to keep it around. And I guess that means play the other one because of the rules? You goddamn right, Rick. You followed the rules almost, and by doing it, you fell ass backwards into the right answer. Shout out to everyone that had the same order as Rick and me, which is the correct one. Play Dino Crisis. Because of the three, this has always been the one I wanted to play the most. Again, I've not played any of them. I almost bought Dino Crisis on my Vita a dozen times. At some point, I'm going to play that fucking game. And I can get on board with those of you that wrote in saying remake Dino Crisis and make it look modern and Jurassic Parky and dope. I think of Horizon fighting the fucking uh, robot dinosaurs and how dope that looked. And I would love to see Dino Crisis like that, but I want to play the original first. I don't want to... So we're going to play it for now. I'd remake Tenchu, because again, never played it, but it says it's Tenchu Stealth Assassins, which makes me think that there's stealth assassins in it, and the better tech that you can implement for a stealth game, the better. Stealth has improved exponentially as technology and AI and graphics and controls and frame rates and all that stuff have improved, so I have no need to play the original, just make it like new. Plus, everyone's comparing it to Ghost of Tsushima. That gets me fucking hot and horny. And then I'd erase Siphon Filter, because I gotta be honest, just looking at it, I have no interest in it at all. It does sound fun to taste someone until they burst into flames, but other than that, I nothing about that game makes my mouth water at all. So I'm going to erase Siphon Filter, but good stuff. Thanks to everyone that played. Some of you were right, some of you were wrong. It doesn't matter. It's just a stupid game. Uh, let me tell you what I've been playing over the last seven days, and then we'll talk a little bit of Parasite Eve. And this will be a quick segment because I haven't been playing very much. I would say 90% Returnal. Uh, like I mentioned off the top, I think I'm going to review it this weekend for expansion pass and I want to finish it before Ratchet and Clank drops this weekend. And, uh, a single playthrough of it takes like two to three hours. Uh, so when I do sit down and have time for a gaming session, it's basically returnal. Like that's, that's what I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Zelda 2, The Adventure Link. We're going to be recording that podcast very, very soon because that won last month's Patreon poll and I'm not going to make you wait fucking eight months to get to this one like you did with Parasite Eve. I haven't even been playing MLB The Show over last week. I, I haven't had a ton of time. I don't have a ton of time this week because I got some comedy shows and stuff. But when I do, it's it's basically just Returnal. So lame segment but that's it let's talk parasite eve that's why you're here it's the main event as you know i like to give you weenies a chance to share your thoughts before i ramble for an hour or so and uh, a whole bunch of you wrote in Corey street wrote in and said okay so i had this game as a kid i watched my older brother play and that rat trans that rat transformation scene scared the hell out of me i haven't picked it up in years i recently played it and found out that i actually really love it though i like the battle system the new york city atmosphere felt like home aya i thought was a badass the battle system was so different than other survival horror games it felt like a jrpg slash action game the ending was super pardon me the ending was super wonky but other than that flaw i really cherish this game adam if you ever do parasite eve 2 know that the game plays more like resident evil but with superpowers thank you and thank you Corey, for writing in great story dude that rat transformation scene if you guys have not seen it i could see that fucking with a kid as an adult it's kind of cheese especially because it's on ps1 and 
you know, it's 25 years old, but I can see that fucking with a kid. And this is a funky game. And I'm very excited to play the Parasite Eve number two because Tyler, my guest this week, swears by it. However, other people don't. Daniel wrote in and said, I wish the sequel was exactly like the first game. I refuse to replay this game again because I have very good memories of it and I want to keep it that way. I just remember the sequel being hot garbage. Interesting. And this goes back to that comment of blowing in the cartridge. But why are some games so divisive when they're sequels, like Final Fantasy VIII, like Majora's Mask? I have not played Parasite Eve 2, but yeah, the, from what I understand, it really changes up what the first one did for better and for worse, apparently, because some people like it and some people hate it. Brynamite wrote in and said, Oh my lord, this was a game of the time Square was knocking JRPGs out of the park. It's a core game in my RPG collection, and I still believe it holds up today as well as when it was released. It's a mix of Resident Evil and Final Fantasy, and it made it one of the best games I have ever played. Uh, and it, like, trust me, in fucking, we're going to be 90 seconds into this podcast between me and Tyler, and you're going to hear us talk about how it's a combination of Final Fantasy and Resident Evil. And it's an interesting, I, I truly can't decide, I, I like it, I can't decide if I love it, but we'll, we'll get there in a minute. Raul wrote in and said, I miss the days when Square took more risks like this game. While it's not a deep RPG or a scary horror game, somehow the combination of both genres makes it unique and well worth playing. The cinematics were great for their time and the soundtrack is still classic. I agree with that. I think the soundtrack is fucking dope. And uh, yeah, the way it, again, we'll get into it in a minute, but the way it combines so many genres, very, very weird. It's like they took all the leftovers in the fridge and threw them into a pot and made a game. And finally, David Phillips wrote in and said, this was such a fun game when it first came out. I remember playing the crap out of it. And an RPG in a modern setting was all but unheard of. Add to that fact, Aya, the lead, was a lady which was still a very new idea at the time. And she was strong and so tough, but not afraid of showing she was afraid of what was happening. I wish we had more modern RPGs like this one. And you know what? I agree with you, David. And I actually think Aya, Aya, whatever the fuck you want to call her, is a dope character and it is at the time when you had you know Lara Croft and Tomb Raider and and Aya and you didn't have as many female protagonists and I do think there's something to be said for that and I think it's really cool and I and she is she's a badass in this game all day and I love it and we'll tell you about it all right now I'm gonna cue up some Parasite Eve music and when I get sick of listening to it, my buddy Tyler and I are going to go down memory lane and talk about Parasite Eve, which originally released in North America for the original PlayStation on September 9th, 1998. Enjoy the podcast. Let's go. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work gone like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If 
If you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a CrashPlan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Okay, joining me via the blank phone this week is a good buddy of mine returning to the show, Mr. Tyler. So I never want to say anyone's last name because I never know if you want me to give away your last name. Mr. Tyler. Is that Mr. T. The Mr. Mr. T. T. I pity the fool. Yes. I, you can say my last name. Everybody who listens to the podcast either knows me or already has me on a hit list. So. That's true. Yeah, you have enemies. No, I like Mr. T. Which, <laughs> and I love the fact that we're calling you Mr. T and you're like a buck ten. Like a fucking like like hey, you, you. I put thirty pounds on during COVID. Oh yeah, I have a little paunch now. I was gonna say of muscle or of uh, of of pudge. Just pudge. It's like a if uh, a normal person gets a spare tire, I have like a spare bike tire. Atta boy. How old? How <laughs> not to get too personal, but how old are you, Tyler? You're thirty. 36 yeah right so you're right over that like dude you made it to 36 without the i fucking got the pudge at like 28 so good for you you're fucking well you're a dad you're busy you have a job you're fucking paintballing and saving the world and doing all that shit that you do so yeah good for you enjoy your paunch man it's nice it's a place to keep your snacks when you're watching tv you can balance the bowl that's what i do well and then with my wife like you know i dance with it and love it and she's almost offended <laughs> that I love my paunch and then, you know, her little bit from being a mom and everything and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she's just bitter. Dude. Why, you're not supposed to love it. You're supposed to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Just dancing in the mirror, looking at it. Ooh, big belly. For all of you out there listening, I don't care if you're a male or a female or how old you are. Just embrace the paunch. It's fine. It's Nobody cares body. but you. Just body in, positive yeah i mean you know like if you're like if you're struggling to breathe because you're listening to a podcast then maybe do something about a little bit of the paunch but like if it's just a, if it's just a cosmetic thing fucking just embrace it abs aren't worth it abs fucking i like <laughs> fuck that you dude if you told me that all i had to do to get abs would be to not drink beer and eat peanut butter for six months i'd be like i don't want fucking abs suck my butt even if you're like <laughs> you don't have to work out you just cannot drink beer or eat peanut butter i'd be like i don't fuck it i don't need abs i don't give a shit I don't want to yeah, see my feet You're only allowed anyway. to drink White Claw, and you have to eat peanut butter and nothing else. That maybe. Maybe I could do that. <laughs> if, I, if I had to choose between no beer and peanut butter or only White Claw and peanut butter, uh, let me. I'll answer that next week. I'll have to chew on that. will be next week's episode. Um, okay. Well, that killed a good two and a half minutes. Uh, let's. So as you can know by the intro, the song, the title of the episode, everything, including the the Patreon poll. This one's a little later on than normal. I will have already apologized for that in the intro. This week we're talking Parasite Eve for the original PlayStation. Now I had never played this game until I fired it up for the podcast when it won the poll. 
And when I posted that it had won the poll, if I'm not mistaken, Tyler, you were quite quick to reach out and be like, fuck yeah. So then I was like, oh, you like this game. You want to come on? So I have to assume that you played this prior to May of 2021 when I did? Yeah, <laughs> I played it for sure when it came out. Okay. I was like, otherwise, that's just odd. Otherwise, otherwise, this is fucking weird that you were really excited to play this. You were just like, I can't wait to play that game. That's weird. <laughs> um, so, dude, it's crazy because you've been on Resident Evil episodes. You've been on, yeah. like, you've done, I'm trying to think. You and I did Final Fantasy VII. Like, <laughs> you, you were a PlayStation kid, hey? Yeah. Like, I had the N64, but PlayStation was my jam. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I think my dad just, he bought more games for the PlayStation than any of the other consoles. So it okay. just ended up kind of being probably the means at which I was getting things. But but like now, if I'm not mistaken, like they were cheaper too. Like I don't like, I don't really, because this was like the PlayStation 1 Nintendo 64 era is when I started buying my own games a little bit. You know, it's when I got my first job. And I actually, the PlayStation was the first console I ever bought myself. But like they were a little cheaper because like Nintendo 64 stuck with those fucking cartridges and their games weren't cheap, whereas the discs on the PlayStation weren't as bad. So I can understand oh, yeah. that. I can understand that. Plus, like, dude, credit given where it's due, and we'll get into Parasite even in a minute, but like as we as I do this podcast and as I kind of look back on the PlayStation and and the games that we cover for it, and it's like from Crash to Spyro to Metal Gear to Resident Evil to Final Fantasy to Parasite to Tomb Raider fucking and i know everyone's gonna be like you forgot legend of dragoon or you forgot suikoden or you forgot castlevania i haven't played any of those so they don't count and i guess you nerd yeah i hope it irritates you nerd yeah i'm talking about the good games okay that's why legend of dragoon and fucking suikoden and castlevania symphony of the night didn't get into that list because i'm talking about the good playstation games i can't wait to fucking get the heat for that but uh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna fucking. So they're gonna people are gonna be like, you said Crash Bandicoot is good, but where the fuck is Legend of Dragoon? And uh, I was yeah. like, oh, anyway, the Patreon drops from 300 to 250. Oh, the, <laughs> yeah, that, the death of <laughs> like years from now when they cover the show on like AMC, they'll just be like, remember the game was on its way to becoming one of the predominant gaming podcasts of the world, and then on June 4th, 2021, Adam did this, and then they'll play that clip, and then just everything. No. Uh, but no banger, banger of a, of a console. It really is. And I'm glad I'll be honest with you, man. And we'll get into the parasite Eve, but like more and more and more PlayStation games, it seems like more than any console, the original PlayStation is the one getting all the remakes. Like with the Tony yeah. Hawks, final fantasy seven, uh, crash bandicoot, spiral, the dragon, like the list goes med- medieval. Like the list goes on and on. I'm still holding out hope for, I'd love to, I'd love to see the original metal gear solid get remade. Um, oh. But having, and I think it's going to, people seem to think that's probably coming. Well, having, and that franchise, that franchise is super alive still, right? Like, yeah. Whereas this franchise is like dead in the water. And mm-hmm. I got to be honest, man, after playing it for the first time, it was not at all what I expected. Um, no, I found it to be kind of a blend between Final Fantasy and Resident Evil. Like yeah. The co- combat and everything definitely had... Uh, elements of both even in in the combat like it just the way you moved around the way the story progressed the rpg system yeah but, but then the camera angles the the look just had a resident evil feel but with a final fantasy uh game mechanic yeah and the thing is is like because i like this game but you nailed it i do think it's kind of like final fantasy and resident evil had a kid and the thing is is like i like parasite eve but I don't think it does RPGs as well as Final Fantasy, and I don't think it does 
the gun combat as well as Resident Evil. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I feel like it's kind of like a little bit of both. I like for what it's worth, and I'm not shitting on it because I do like this game, but like I would play Resident Evil 2 or Final Fantasy 7, 8, or 9 before I played Parasite Eve again. Does, Ooh, like, does I can't that, believe you included Final Fantasy 8 in No, that. yeah, that's my hot take. <laughs> we, I, I'll defend that game, but but that's like I would play Final Fantasy or Resident Evil before I played Parasite Eve again. Um, this game feels like a sampler. Like, you know what? You know when you like you can't decide what you want at the restaurant, so you get like the appy tray with a little bit of everything? It's kind of what yeah. Parasite Eve feels like. It's not a full-blown meal of anything. And where I was going to go just before we get into the game itself was I was talking about all the games that have gotten remakes from the original PlayStation. I don't imagine this game will ever get a remake, but holy ass, would I love to see this game get a fucking remake. Because there's a really cool game here that is just... I don't it's I don't want to say it's aged horribly but like Tyler, I don't know when the last time you played Parasite Eve is. This is a slow fucking video game, man. Yeah, that's that's the biggest way that it it has aged terribly. Like I feel like the movement, the mechanics, everything are still fairly good. Yeah, I mean, same you didn't here. have Yeah. You didn't have like it it plays well. It's just it is slow. Like they're just moving from area to area doing any of the puzzle solving like it it definitely feels slow. It was a slow I, game, yeah that's what I felt about Resident Evil one and a little bit of Resident Evil two replaying those like the originals, not the uh, remakes. Definitely. No, agreed. And and I got to imagine that part of that is like, there's only so much that the original PlayStation could handle. Um, but like, there's a great game in here that is just, I would have loved like, dude, when I played final fantasy eight for the first time a little while ago, I played it on the switch and I played the remastered version and you can speed things up three times anytime you want. If you just click the analog stick, like everything moves at triple speed. This game oh, doesn't need great. Oh, I don't know if this game needs triple speed, but like even one and a half, like I don't know how you, I listen to most of my podcasts on one and a half and it's so much better because it just goes by faster. And I'm like, that's this game needed just one and a half speed. And it would have been because, like, oh my god, it would have made it so much better. Because there was just times. First of all, go ahead. I'm not gonna lie; I've never, never realized that you could do that with podcasts. I'm gonna be listening to one and a half times more podcasts. Now. Oh, buddy, it's the best, man. <laughs> and yeah, you're hitting the the nail on the head. Like this game definitely needs that, just for the transition. Just you know, like a lot of games that have come out since this game, you you have the ability to mount or ability to sprint or you know, there's always a mechanic to like, all right, let's speed this up. Let's yeah. you know, let's get to the next thing, right? And this game really doesn't. Um, so if you've yeah. never played Parasite Eve, uh, like I've always wanted to play this game. I'm glad this game won the poll because it's one of those games that like I'd always look at and be like, oh, that looks kind of neat. But like, what is it? Because like when you look at it from the outset, it looks like if I like I'll be honest with you going in because I said it wasn't what I expected going in. I expected Resident Evil. I thought that it was another Resident Evil style game. Um, and I know it's not from Capcom, it's from Squaresoft, but like the graphic style and the way that like you see her, like Aya, Aya, I don't know how to say it, Aya. Aya? Um, yeah, you see Aya. Aya. You see Aya and she's like, <laughs> you know, like she does that like walking, you know, like she's got fucking um, like straighteners on her legs, like that classic PlayStation 1 walk style. But then like there's like, oh, yeah. the, there's, like the gunplay mechanics and I really thought it was going to be resident evil and the thing is is like and again just comes back to that combination it does have the gun combat and it does have the but, puzzle solving but it's and not the at gun all combat 
Yeah, and the gun combat though, it is like that that to me is like the aspect of the game that I like the most. It's the perfect blending of of uh, you know, the Final Fantasy system where you have like time bars, but then you also can move around, dodge attacks, like it's very uh you know, for at the time for an RPG to have like an active combat system like that, that was really exciting. Like that was one of the big highlights uh playing this game back in the day. That I think Dino Crisis had a similar combat system. Yeah, yeah, I do. I agree with you. The combat is like so. If you've not played it, like, and we'll get into the story. I don't, we're not gonna. I don't. We won't spoil anything. I know it's an old game, but like, quite frankly, I thought the story was kind of. I thought it started out great, and then the longer it went, I was like, this is kind of dumb. Like, I was waiting for like a big twist, and there really wasn't one. But like, we'll 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 talk. But like, we'll get into all that. But like, as far as the combat goes, yeah, like it's so it is kind. Of, it's an RPG with like the experience points and hit points and the active time battle and all that kind of stuff. But like when you go into areas, you it's got ran it's got it's got random encounters which I fucking hate. But the thing is, is the yeah. random encounters are at least fun. It's it's you know what it re- kind of reminded me of actually uh, is is um, like Chrono Trigger, in the sense yeah, of like it, you could move around on the map and and it's obviously it's more actiony based than Chrono Trigger. But like when the fights start, the enemies or whatever enemies you're fighting show up on the screen. And then you can, you literally, you're moving at all times, just like you're playing like an action game, but you can't attack until your active time bar fills up. And then you can choose if you want to use your magic or whatever you want to call it, or if you want to shoot your gun or what have you. Um, it was, a, and like, and you actually have to play. And I honestly do for like the first third of the game, I didn't even play defense because I didn't find the game. I didn't find the game hard at all. I wasn't even trying to dodge. I would just be yeah. like, yeah, if they hit me, they hit me. I don't care. Like, I'm just shooting. Them. And I and I was like, well, this is kind of a cool idea. But I was like, it's kind of boring. It defeats the purpose because I don't have to move because these enemies can't kill me. And then all of a sudden, it turns out, oh, no, they can fucking kill you. Uh, um, and then <laughs> yeah, it ramps up. It really does fucking ramp up. And then it started feeding me my ass. And I basically had to relearn how to play the game. And then, yeah, so when the fights, uh, when you're fighting... Uh, you're literally at all times moving your character and avoiding the enemy's attacks and their movements while you're waiting for this time bar to fill up so that you can shoot at the enemies and and and, and fight them like you would any other game. And once you're like, once you get into playing defense and moving around and stuff, it's actually like I found the combat to be the most satisfying part of the game by and large. Like, oh said. yeah, well, and especially at the time because they didn't really have anything like this at the time. And uh, you know, the combat and the weapon system, like you know. You could have had it be just a straight Final Fantasy ripoff where you pick up a gun and it's the whatever Widowmaker. Yeah. And it has these attributes, but you could actually like modify your guns. You see that like some guns have triple shot, some have, you know, single shot. Um I I liked yeah. that a lot Did, too. Was yeah. there could you modify the guns? I'm yeah, you could. So like, so you find yeah, okay. more guns as the game goes on. And and some guns had no extra ability. Some guns would have the ability to like it would shoot, you know, two to five bullets. Some would be random. Some would, um, uh, what were some of the other abilities? Like some of them would like give poison, I think. And like, there was kinds of stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. And what you could do is you could get tools throughout the game and then you could use a tool on a gun to remove one of its perks or its stat buffs. Cause every gun had its own buff on like, uh, attack power, capacity reload speed or like something like that and so you could use a tool to remove one of its perks and add them to a different gun but you would destroy the gun that you were taking the parts from in the process and so what was really cool was like as the game goes on you're almost as excited to find a tool as you are to find another gun 
because you're constantly just tweaking your, and the same thing goes for your armor. You can destroy armor, take a perk and add it to another piece of armor. And so like I found near the end of the game, like my, the gun I was using was just jacked because I just, it had the, the stolen parts and, and stat buffs from all of its departed brethren just kind of pumped into it. And then I had this one mega gun at the end. And I actually what, what gun were you using? I don't remember what it was. It was, but it was the gun that gives you the ability. I think it's if there's more than one in the game. I never came across it, but I had a gun that gave me the chance to do two things on my turn. Oh, nice! And so that once that once I found that, I put all my stats into that gun because then it wasn't just attack once. I could attack once and then cast a spell, or attack once and then use an item, or attack twice, or fucking what it made such a difference. And dude, I'll tell you, Tyler, I don't know if you did this. Did you ever use the gun where your attacks would be randomized as a as opposed to choosing who you would attack? No, I I used I always used ones that where I could choose who I was attacking. Oh. Like uh like the G three A or something like that. I think ah, fuck, I like I can't really remember the guns. I know there was like a shotgun that was kinda like a street sweeper where yeah, it had yeah. like a drum mag and you'd fire like five shotgun shells and it would just hit everything. Yeah. Like, well, cause that was the thing is like, I had a gun that would shoot five bullets at a time, like on a turn, which was awesome. But then I yeah. accidentally put this ability to randomize it on it. And so the problem was then if I went into, and anyone that's played an RPG is going to understand where the problem is here. If I go into a fight against three enemies, instead of concentrating all five of my attacks on one enemy to get one out of the way, it would shoot two at one, two at another, one at the third. And some of them would be out of range of my gun because they're moving around. And dude, I hit a point where like I almost gave up on the game because I was so low on ammo because I had wasted so many bullets with this fucking randomized <laughs> gun. And it was the only gun I had. And I ended up switching to like one of the fucking nightsticks and using that for a little while. And it really oh. sucked. It was so boring, but I had no bullets left because I fucked up so hard. Well, oh. and, and that's kind of like the opposite of how, I, like, I think we both play Resident Evil the same way where we conserve so much dang ammo. By the yeah. end, you're going like, man, I got 700 shotgun shells. What am I doing with yeah. my life? Yeah, and I died 400 times getting here when I could have <laughs> died none if I had just used the shells that I've been stockpiling like a fucking weirdo. Um, really practice with the double knife swipe and then the headshot. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And like, and this game, like, you can't play this game like Res. Like, I don't even know if you can. There's an escape function in battle, but I only tried it a couple of times and I never got it to work ever. Yeah. So I don't remember ever escaping. But like, like you said, the combat was the highlight for this. Yeah, the combat. Assuming that you're not out of bullets because you play like a donkey like me then the combat's actually a lot of fun. So I, I did like that. When you go to shoot, it opens up this cool-looking, very PlayStation 1 um, green grid kind of sphere over you that shows you how far the range of your gun is. And you basically can shoot at anything oh, that's yeah, in that, that dome sphere. that would pop up. It yeah. was like a dome, right? Yeah. Like a, 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 a gridded dome. Oh, man, that was awesome. Had like almost oh, reboot vibes, yeah. like the green fucking like lines, and and then you could shoot at anything that was in your dome. And certain guns had better reach than other guns and stuff like that. And uh, that was something that toward the end of the game, when it started to get difficult, I realized like what an advantage it was to have a gun that had some range to it, because you could oh, pick yeah. guys off from a distance and not let them get too close. Because once you start the like, say you have a gun that has that has a five shot uh, ability, so you could shoot five bullets. And you're only up against, it doesn't matter if you're up against one enemy or three enemies, whatever. You put in your attack and it's done. And then you hit like, you know, enter or X, whatever to like make the action start. You can't move until you're done shooting all those shots. 
And so yeah. you start so to So if learn. you're fighting one enemy and you have like, it does a little bit of knockback, it's not a big deal. But if you have multiple enemies where well, you're attacking the one enemy, you're screwed. Yeah, it can fuck you. And the thing is, is like you can't, it, it's an RPG. It's not like Resident Evil where at any point I can open up the menu and cash in some weed, which let's call a spade a spade. That's what the green herb is, it's weed. <laughs> and like you can't, I can't just, I can't open up my items and just have a puff and get my health back. I can't heal until my active time battle bar heal or fills up again. Um, well, it's because, uh, you know, in Resident Evil, you're smoking a little bit of weed, doing some downers, and this, it's all just pills. All She's just pills. popping pills. Yeah, because she gets Stop so much medicine. Me. That's what you get in this one is medicine. That's your healing. Mm-hmm. But then you also have your psychic abilities. And that was, I actually thought that they, especially the early going of the game, didn't really put as much focus on the the magic, the psychic abilities, whatever you want to call it. The PE, I think is what they call it in this game. PE, yeah. And, um, yeah. I to me that's what really does make this game fucking cool is that there's this RPG element to it but then there's real time action fights with guns where you're controlling your character and avoiding taking damage but you've also got this funky magic system which admittedly is not the deepest magic system in the world but as you level up you pick up more and more abilities and you start to get the ability to heal yourself you start to get the ability to uh you can do like a psychic shot where you put a bunch of ammo or energy into your bullet and then when you hit the enemy with it, it does more damage. You can speed yourself up. You can slow the enemy down. You can use, like, you know, antidote to get rid of poison. Um, and your magic, you don't have magic points. You have this psychic uh, energy. That's what it is, I think, is psychic energy. And as you play, the, as you, as you play, it slowly fills up on its own so that you can, like, restore it and use it. And the reason I say I don't think they focused on it enough, Tyler, I'm curious what you think, is that for the first, again, third of the game... I didn't find that I really ever had to use it. And then all Never. of a sudden I was like, holy fuck, if you don't know how to use this and ration it properly, you're fucking dead. <laughs> like, cause again, well, it suddenly gets so difficult. Well, and especially so like in this, as far as the story goes, so basically your area area or whatever, Ara, Aya, I don't yeah. know. A I A Y A Y A Y A. Yeah. A Right. <laughs> it's this cool name. So yeah. Hi, that's uh, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so basically, like you, you're at like the opening of the game. You go to this amphitheater opera thing, and like one of the actresses ends up becoming this like you know parasitic organism named Eve. Yeah. Uh, she had a she had a name before that. I can't remember what her name was before that, but she's like, call me Eve now. And it's like, oh, it's Christmas Eve, and now you're called Eve. Right. Uh, great great rating um yeah deep stuff hey eh? <laughs> and she she and she divulges that your mitochondria like it's very like you know uh star wars episode one where it's like oh your metichlorian count your mitochondria is special so the whole theater everybody like ignites into flames and is dead except for you and that's what your power is but they missed an opportunity in the game so the whole time in, as you play through the game the kind of you're said to be like this eve the you know, parasitic organism. Yeah. And uh, as you use your powers, I just wanted it to make it so that you were mutating more because that's what they said is like, the more you use your powers, the more you, you know, progress and and fight, you're supposed to become more and more like this Eve character, right. more and more like a mutant, right? So, yeah, or yeah. whatever she so, was. So yeah, so like- Pente so the- wet dream. <laughs> so yeah, because like, yeah, so like Tyler said, like at the beginning of the game, it's Christmas Eve, you go to the opera and one of the singers turns into this fucking creature named Eve- and yeah, she makes the entire everyone in the audience spontaneously combust. They all just burst into flames and die. And and admittedly, because as you all know, I may not be the sharpest spoon in the shed. 
Uh, I'm slowly learning more about math and science and stuff. Uh, mitochondria plays a big role in this game, which I had no idea what the fuck that is. But if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to get fucking ram blasted <laughs> over this. If I'm not Adam mistaken... Blank. Adam Blank failed grade 10 science. Mitochondria is what your body does to use oxygen to make energy, I think. Something like that. It's yeah, right? it's nicknamed it's pre- the powerhouse of the cell. Right. So I, it's any you have mitochondria in every cell, and that's I I don't know if it uses just oxygen, but but that's basically I think it converts. I think it converts like oxygen and other like uh, proteins into energy. Right. So the long and yeah, basically it's how your body creates energy out of whatever. Um, and so this like this Eve chick is like using people's mitochondria and like causing them to spontaneously combust because they're getting so much energy and they're exploding. And for whatever reason, and we won't get into details about it, but but Aya, Aya, whatever the main character, she's immune. Aya! She can, Aya! She can get near Eve and she won't break into flames like everybody else will. And she's a cop. And you're in New York City. And so basically- in Manhattan. The, the in whole Manhattan. thing takes place on Manhattan. That's and, one of the coolest things. The little map of Manhattan. That's what I was like going to say. Little, is so so yeah so the long and short of it is you and your your partner uh who can't go near eve because he'll break into flames if he does are you know during the holidays you're in manhattan and you're trying to stop eve from destroying the world but yeah like dude so there's this part where you can like when you're not in an individual place like if you're not at carnegie hall or you're not at the police station or you're not at chinatown or central park or whatever like you go to actual places in new york when you're not in these places it takes you to this really cool fucking 3d-esque very playstation one map where everything's just made of bricks um yeah but definite definitely like if updated and you know, you could use a realistic 3D model of Manhattan, but for the the era of the game, it was like, whoa, I that it, is Manhattan. Dude, I won't lie to you. It's 2021 when I played this. And when it went to the map, I was like, all right, that's pretty dope. Like, because you can just pick, and then you like, and you know what I love about this game for as slow as I think this game is at times when you're in certain areas, I love that when you're on the over, like when you're on the, the overworld, the map of Manhattan, you just pick where you want to go. And unless there's a cutscene to further the story, like, cause sometimes when you pick a new, like, you just like, you're like, oh, we're going to Central Park today. Uh, then, then you actually have to like see the cops, like Aya and her partner driving to Central Park and they're talking about the story of the game. But otherwise, you just what was pick his a, name? Was it Daniel, Daniel or something like that? Yeah, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but otherwise, oh, you just man. pick where you want to go. And then it just puts you there. And it's just like for as slow as the game is, I was like, that's, I, maybe that may not sound like a big deal to everybody, but I was like, this is, it's nice that it's just, I don't what? have to fucking actually traverse the world map. I just pick where I want to go and then it takes me there. Yeah. That's like nice. there weren't games on the PlayStation, like, you know, compared to Resident Evil or Final Fantasy, the two games that this, you know, draws influence from for development wise and, and play style. You didn't get a chance to do that in either of those games. You still had to go to the world map in Final Fantasy and, fly your airship if you had the airship at that right. point yes. across the whole freaking map yeah. to figure out where you're going and you'd then have to walk and traverse the whole oh. area uh, yeah you know you're and right. resident evil you had to run everywhere now the thing is is like admittedly i don't I, and i didn't uh, maybe i just missed all of them i don't think there's as many secrets and stuff to find in this as there is in like a final fantasy 7 with the overworld and everything but i like no there's as, there's one big one but i'll see i'll wait to see if you got to it i don't think i did because i don't remember any okay. big secrets but 
Uh, yeah, I don't think I did. But you but, only played through it once, right? Yeah, I only played through it once. Like, There's I, I a won't big lie secret if you play through it again. Oh, okay. Yeah, I won't lie to you. Like when I was done, I was like, oh, and I've, I got a story for the end, and we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get there. Don't let me forget because I have angry Adam may make a guest appearance on this episode just for the very end of it. But anyway, uh, I love the fact that like it's a it's a it's a fairly linear game. You can go back to old locations you've been and look for like bullets and guns and stuff that you missed this has that classic ps1 uh mechanic to it i don't know how you were when you played it where you like as i'm walking through like a there's one part where you're in like a gun store and i'm just mashing x because you don't know <laughs> when there is something that you can interact with and but yeah. you don't want to miss anything so i'm just mashing x and then occasionally like a, a dialogue box would pop up and it'd be like oh you found some ammo you know what i mean yeah. like oh do you want this gun it's it's a funny it's a funny like component to the evolution of video games because it was like you know like on on Nintendo like you could only have you know so many things on the screen so like you know every item was an item you could pick up but there was only four right in the whole game right right um, and then you get to the PlayStation and it got to a point where like the graphics weren't good enough to like distinguish when an item was like something you could pick up and something you couldn't pick up so like just every item kind of looked like well maybe yeah maybe it's something I'm supposed to grab. I don't and know. And then, like, then as as things moved on, they were able to, like, graphically enhance certain things. So you'd see something and be like, ah, I'm supposed to grab that. Yeah. I can tell. I don't know what the term is because I don't, and, like, I don't know enough. I don't know anything about game development. I shouldn't say I don't know enough about game development. I don't know any. If you, if you put me in a room with a computer where, like, you have three hours to program this Nintendo controller to just jump when you push A or the world explodes, I would be like, you should probably all call your loved ones because I am not going to be able to make Mario. I have no idea how game development works. But like, and like, well, and, I, then and, I'm thinking, and then I'm thinking, we're at a point now where like, the like, did, have you played the new Resident Evil yet? Uh, no, I just played seven. I haven't played eight yet oh. though, or Village, whatever you want to call it. So I haven't played seven and I haven't really played Village, but my, I've watched my cousin play Village a little bit. The blending of what you can interact with and what you can't interact with is so freaking seamless yeah like i'm i'm so pumped to play eight but it's but it's but that's in a good way whereas games from in a good way that's what i'm saying is that's kind of the evolution of it before you you couldn't help but see what you had to play with like interact with then we got to a point where the playstation graphics were kind of like so you know a product of the time yeah you again couldn't tell what you could interact with and then you they they went through this process of like everything you could interact with you could tell because graphics were almost at a point right where things were seamless so they would put a lot of attention to detail on the things you needed to interact with right and then now we're at a point where graphics can be so good for the background for the interacting objects for the characters that everything just feels seamless almost yeah there's a lot of original playstation in particular where like it's almost like you're controlling um a lego character on like a painted portrait and yeah. it's like, cause like everything like, like, and I'm thinking of the gun shop right now in this game, but there's like, dude, Final Fantasy seven, when you're in the slums, for example, and you're walking along and everything looks so nice and it's, it's, it's soft edges and it's kind of, you know what? It looks like it's been painted, but then you've got yeah. this like glowing brick made character walking through. And then when there is something that in, in Resident Evil, same thing. And then when there's something you can interact with. It, it it either they either don't make it look like anything and you don't know it's there or it's like you said it's it's like it's like somebody fucking drew it in with microsoft paint 
on top of yeah. this nice image. And this game was like that, where like there were certain things where it was like, oh, obviously, like that 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 thing is sticking out like a sore thumb. I, it's like Materia in Final Fantasy VII, where it's like it's glowing. I got to go touch that. But then there's other times yeah. where like you're literally, I'm literally just walking through this gun shop, mashing X. And like every five or six seconds, it's telling me like, oh, there's a gun in this cabinet that looks exact same as every other cabinet. And it'd be so easy to miss stuff. And I'm not nec- I'm not even shitting on the game for that because that's just a product of the times. But I played the entire game with my thumb just like jackhammering the fucking interact button just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, and actually, that reminds well, especially, me. Especially if you were down on ammo the whole time, right? Like well, you're, yeah. You know. Yeah, you can't, dude. If you run out of ammo in this, and like, and the thing is, is like, at one point, I didn't look up any walkthroughs. I try not to, but there was a point where I was like, "Am I doing this wrong?" Because like, I am out of fucking ammo, and I'm like, I'm just constantly relying on like the nightstick, and then I'd find 15 bullets, and they would last me fucking eight seconds, and then I'd be out again. But it was because of that fucking randomized gun wasting so many bullets shooting at shit it couldn't hit, missing stuff. And most people were like, no, you never run out of bullets. And like, once I found a new gun and got rid of that randomized gun, I never had issues with ammo again. Especially once you get to the museum, because then you're fighting these like dinosaur things. And every time you kill one, it drops like 20 bullets. So like near the end of the game. Yeah, I love that level. Me too. Like the cut screen where they show all the dinosaur bones and then every enemy you fight. I think you still fight some of those stupid giant scorpions, but every enemy is like a reanimated dinosaur with that weird mitochondria goo. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, I liked the the museum a lot too. Because the other thing, so like, okay, so I wanted to to complain about the items and I'll get there. And I got to make sure to tell you my angry Adam story. I'm making notes here. Um, So the game, because it's not a very long game. It's only like a dozen hours maybe. Um, yeah i think i think if you sped run, but it's one of those games like um you can speed run through the first resident evil in like maybe two hours right Right. if you know what you're doing and where you're going you fly through that game even on a speed run in this game i think it still takes seven or eight hours like maybe 10 i would think like i mean i'm sure there's people that know how to like cheese the game and bomb through it but like it is and this is where it comes back to like it is resident evil in the sense of certain parts but it is an rpg you have to level up you gain you level up a lot like you gain xp like crazy in this game and then as you level up you learn new spells or whatever psychic abilities but you also gain these battle points and then you can turn around and pump the battle points into you can pump them into your your active time gauge so that it speeds up faster. You can pump them into individual guns and stuff to make them stronger, individual armor to make them stronger. You can pump them into your um, your psychic energy meter so that it fills up faster. And uh, I really did enjoy that part because you you kind of touched on it earlier. And just to circle back to that, the way that you can customize your armor and customize your weapon and customize your character by pumping your battle points into stuff uh, really keeps it from becoming this kind of mindless. Because like without that, I think that the combat would have gotten old. Like I've always complained about combat in games when there's no purpose for it. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no reason. And you don't buy stuff in this game. You don't get money. But it's it's fun to to fight because the combat isn't broken, and then the fact that you're constantly adding these these battle or these uh, bonus points, you're picking these up in combat all the time that you can pump them into your character. So I don't know how quick you could cheese this game because I think if you went into the final third of it under leveled in a game where it's so hard to escape battles and stuff, you might be in a lot of trouble. Like I was very reliant on some of the stronger psychic abilities in the game near the end, like especially for the final boss. Like you, I needed some of those abilities or I would have been fucked and you wouldn't have them unless you took the time to level up. Well, and I think like, 
I don't, I, I can't say for sure, but like a game like this, I think definitely opened up the idea of having RPG shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, cause then like, I think, when did Parasite Eve come out? Like 97, 95, right here, 98. Yeah. Okay. So a couple years later, like Deus Ex came out and that was probably one of your first like RPG shooters where a similar thing where like you upgraded your character. I think you had to find an item to do it in that game. Right. Like, um, and Static Shock a, a year before that or two years before that, right? But you didn't have a lot of, like, that idea of blending, you know, action-based games and RPG elements. And definitely those early games yeah. kind of opened that up. And now you see, you know, Deus Ex is still a franchise that's alive, but tons of shooters where you upgrade your character. And, you know, like, even uh, something like uh, The Division, where it's, you know, our action RPG really takes elements from these kind of early games. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. It's, I love it. I love that. I love that mechanic. I, you know, it keeps it interesting. You're not just relying on getting the, you know, the BFG and then whooping ass because you have the best gun. You're right. relying on how you develop your character and it gives you replayability if you're, you know, the type of person to go back and, well, I want to try, you know, be oh, yeah. more of a caster and less reliant on guns. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Like I, like I'll be honest with you. Like I, like I said, I liked this game. I didn't love it. I really want to play the second one now just to see if they improved on the formula because this game to me, like remember I said that like, I'd rather play resident evil or final fantasy than a game that combines the two. This game kind of feels like they, like Squaresoft took all the leftovers they had sitting around and just mixed them into a game. Like it tries yeah. to do a few different things at once. It tries to tell a story, tries to be a little cinematic. It does the action combat, but it's also got the RPG mechanics with the leveling up and stuff like that. It's got like, I don't know if I would call it any... I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to call it a horror game. It's not really scary. But, like, it's got some moments where there's a little bit of atmosphere to it. I know in the idea that, like, this creature is floating around Manhattan making everybody spontaneously combust. Like, I, I could see how it's got, you know... It's not Resident Evil or Silent Hill, but there's, a, there's moments there. It tries to do <laughs> so much. And I agree with you. It does a lot of stuff really well, but it just, like... I... I would have been willing to sacrifice certain things to see them put a little bit more time into other aspects, like to level up other aspects of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's ankle deep in like a dozen different areas type thing. And it's not bad. It's, it's a, it was a really, I don't know if I've ever played anything quite like it. Like it was a very interesting game. It just, I would have liked to seen a little bit more depth to certain parts of it and speed. It's fucking speed it up for the love of Christ. Speed it up. Did you ever play Dino Crisis? No, that's on my list, but I haven't played it. Yeah. When you play Dino Crisis, come back to how you like this game, because they're similar. Uh, Dino Crisis is more more like Resident Evil. It's more action-based, like more like Res 5, I think. Oh, I kind of feel I like you're in an action game, yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I wish this game would have had more action in the shooting. Like, I wish the shooting would have been a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, like, early... And that's in hindsight, right? Like, oh, sure, at the time, sure. I... I freaking love this series i only played the first two i didn't realize there was a third one that came out but, but even in the early going like when they first kind of when you learn the basic mechanics and you're doing the like fighting and stuff and i was like oh fucking eight i was like this is really cool so every time it yeah. goes into a battle i have magic and shit to use and i'm looking for experience points but i also can actually move around on the it's like a it's a locked screen it's a still screen but i can move around and shoot at these guys and it's there's some strategy and like where do i position myself in relation to the enemies and, stuff. and i was like this is really neat and you say that it's like a hindsight thing but like i'll be honest with you even toward the end of the game i was like and it's not comparing it to games from today because i haven't played too many games that are like this game 
but I just was like, I would, I wish it had, it got harder, but it didn't, I don't really feel like it added many layers of strategy. It just kind of became, okay, before you didn't really have to dodge attacks because they weren't doing a lot of damage anyway. Now it's to a point where like, you'd better be on your guard and dodge. But like, yeah, outside, yeah. you know what I mean? But like, it's not, it's not, this isn't like this, you're not, this isn't rewriting the book. This is not the deepest combat you've ever seen. It's just such a unique blend of everything. Um, no, absolutely. No, and, and that's, that's 110%. Like, it's just a very unique blend of everything that was out at the time. So um, one thing I hated about it and, and, and really I, I fucking hated it was I thought I, I don't, I get irritated by games where inventory management is even a minute hassle. And maybe that's not <laughs> fair of me because, you know, like when I play a Final Fantasy game, I don't even know if there is a limit to how many items you can have in your inventory. But if there, is, there is, I've never hit it. Like, and I like that. And and I understand maybe for realism, you're like, well, where do they have that 750 Phoenix Downs? And I'm like, they're in their fucking purse, <laughs> dumbass. Of course, that's where they are. Look, where else look you... at the size of the sword clouds carrying. You right. think he can't carry that many Phoenix Downs? They're yeah. feathers. I, I no love problem. That. And even, even in Resident Evil, I can live with the the cramped inventory management because you're it, carrying it on your person right. Wait, you got like cargo and it, shorts and on. it kind of adds to the survival horror aspect you know what i mean like there's right. only so much you can carry and it, it like, it's the same as like when you play especially when you're talking about the playstation one resident evil games that's why i can look past the tank controls and stuff that i know a lot of people hate because i'm like in a way those almost add to the the suspense you know what I mean? And it's like when I when you get into a safe room in Resident Evil and you've only got a dozen slots in your inventory and you're like, do I take more healing items? Do I make sure to take all my guns? Do I need to take these keys? Like I, I kind of like that and that works. In this game, I found the inventory system to be an absolute pain in the fucking ass because I was constantly maxed out on equipment and then whenever I found a new item, I would open a box and it would be like, your inventory is full. Would you like to swap something? But it doesn't tell you what the new item in the box is. And so I'd have to pick the... <laughs> I forgot about that. That's such a oh. dickhead move. So then I got to pick the crappiest item in my inventory because you don't lose it. It just goes into the box. But like, so I pick like a fucking, like a cure poison and I put it in the box and then it turns out like, what did you get out of the box? And it's like, oh, bullets. And those bullets just went into my Single bullet box. Bullet. And now I still have a single hole in my inventory, but now I have to reopen the box to get the cure poison out again. And it's always, dude. And like, and like, there's the guy at the police headquarters that you can go back to that you can like store your guns and stuff with. The guy that like, by the way, in today's world, that guy never happens because he does nothing but just hit on you the whole game. Like he should have been <laughs> fired. Like he's just, you walk in. Sexual and he, misconduct up the oh, wall. He walk in. He's like, what's up, babe? You're looking good today. And I'm like, dude, I'm a cop. We're both cops. Like, fuck. Like, I'm not an object. Fuck off. Get away from me. Like, I, you know, but like, but you have to go back to him to like store your guns and stuff like that. And it's just, God, I'm All like, All the dude. feminists in the world just realized you're an ally, Adam. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I mean, you know what? I, I won't bullshit you guys. 1998 Adam probably have been like, this guy's fucking awesome. She is hot. Let's hit on her. But like 1998 Adam would have got a Johnny Bravo tattoo too. Oh, buddy. Fucking 98 Adam was a fucking dick. I hated that kid. Um, <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting is a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly 
I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And better help is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash remember the game. <laughs> but like I hated it and like even like if you're gonna make it so I can only carry a limited amount of items then like let me like let me keep my weapons and armor separate so they don't take up slots because it's like you know dude like we were talking about how if you want to combine the uh, um like a power up from one gun to another gun you have to use a tool which is a disposable item you use a tool on gun a you take its 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 ammo capacity you put it on gun b gun a is destroyed gun b gets better and you use your tool but the problem is say you find a gun that you're like oh that i don't want to use this gun but it's got a it's got a perk that i really really want but you don't have a tool on you now you've just got to carry it with you and you have such a limited amount of space to carry items i found the i really probably my biggest gripe with the game was i just found the inventory management to be such a pain in the fucking ass you should never play escape from tarkov that's 90 percent of that game is inventory management then it's like five percent building guns and then it's like five percent actually playing it and when you play it you want to smash your head on the keyboard so. i can assure you that i won't play that i can assure <laughs> you but like but like i don't know like did you find that to, like i just i really found that to be a pain in the ass in this fucking game was the inventory management so, and when I played it, like I played it when it came out. So to me, the inventory management was unique and kind of a new thing. And they had it, you could sort everything. You could sort A to Z or yes, you could, I think yeah. there was a way to sort type of items yeah. too. So yeah. like just having those sort functions, like I didn't mind it at all. But again, I didn't know better. I didn't have like, sure. like now, you know, a lot of games are quite different. And I think having like limited inventory added to it. So you had to pick and choose. Right. So kind of in the moment, in the time, I thought it was unique and enjoyed it, but. I, yeah, like, I think now I'd be pissed off. Oh, like in some games, like I said, I brought up Resident Evil. In some games, that works, and I like it. But in some games, I just find it to be a bit of a nuisance. And this was one of those games where I was like, and that's maybe that's what I was kind of talking about with how everything is ankle deep. I was like, there were moments where I was really getting into the game, and I'm like, all right, fuck yeah, like we got the action going, like this is great. Then it becomes a fucking storybook for 15 minutes. Then it becomes a, a puzzle game. Then it becomes an RPG where I've got to figure out how to distribute all my battle points and stuff. Now it's an inventory yeah. management issue. And it was like, it just felt like I could never get into like, and I, and again, I'm not, I'm not shitting. Like when we give the scores, I'm going to give this game a good score. I liked it, but I just, I, I, I never felt like I could get into a groove. It was always changing up what I had to do. Do you know what I mean? And then add in my frustration with the fucking bullets, which isn't, it's on me, but why that random thing is in the game is so stupid. 
I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what? When I first, I didn't even realize it was random because they don't explain it. I thought it was just you shot five bullets on your turn, and I was like, well, that's dope. But then it turns out, no, it's five bullets, but they're randomly shot at different end. Ah, fuck it. I was so close to quitting. So close. And I grinded it out with my fucking nightstick in the sewers till I had enough bullets to fucking keep the game going. Um, <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, that sounds like me in every RPG. Like, oh, ah, fuck, Jesus. I'm underleveled. I got to go grind yeah. now with the worst in the worst area but just now, to keep relevant. I was going to ask you that. I never once, outside of when I was running out of bullets, which wasn't grinding for like experience points, it was just bad inventory management on my part. Outside of then, and I and I appreciate that for this. I appreciate this game very much for this. I never grinded, and I beat the game, and I never once felt the need to grind. And that, to me, tip of my cap to anyone that makes a game with levels and experience points where you never feel the need to grind. That's a well-balanced video game. But Yeah. You, that's me. I never... Did you? I, I never had to grind once. I... I So, come, like, this game out after Final Fantasy VII, and one of my big things in Final Fantasy VII, like, after my first playthrough, the second and you know, third, fourth, every playthrough after that, I always grind that early level. Right. To get just like, you know, to get to level 10 when you're supposed to be level 2. Right. So like, basically in the train station in Final Fantasy 7, I would grind the shit out of that. Okay. You get a bunch of those tonics or, yeah, tonics I think you get off of them. Um, and just get like a level advantage and get my limit break before I have to fight that first boss. Right. Same thing with this. I, I found an area that I was comfortable with. I would grind the shit out of it. I'm pretty sure I was overleveled you know, for most of the game. But uh, that's just, that's just my, like my mentality at the time. Right. If you asked me to do that now, I'd be like, I don't got time for that. But even that, like to me, that's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Cause I have games, right. I actually like, I, dude, I love like dragon warrior warrior. The very first dragon's quest, whatever it's on the NES is basically just a fucking grind. The whole game is a grind. And I love that game. Cause I'll put on a podcast or just listen to music. And I, I, when it's grinding that I want to do voluntarily, I have no qualm with it. My beef are games where like you hit a point and like, I don't run away from a lot of fights in my RPGs period. Like, unless it's a, unless it's either like a, one of those fucking stupid fights where like, it's basically designed to kill you unless you do exactly the right thing or it's a complete waste of time. Or if I'm on like dire straits, I'll run away, but I don't run away. Like I 99% of the time I'm not running away from a battle in an RPG. And when I hit a point, like to me, a well-designed RPG should be designed like that. That if you just play the game like normal and you fight the fights that come up and you don't run away, you may never be overpowered, but you shouldn't really find yourself super underpowered. Do you know what I mean? And if you want to grind, like you said, in Final Fantasy VII and make yourself into the Incredible Hulk, then Mazel Tov, you pay for the game, do whatever you want. But this yeah, game... Yeah, and like the, fir the first time I didn't do that, and I, I think I like ended up beating the game at like level 46, 48, something like that. Yeah. Like under level 50. Like I, And I had, I probably tried to do that stupid boss with one winged, one armed Sephiroth for like 100 hours because I was so under leveled. Right. Like to the point of being like, oh... I need to play this differently. And right. now became the grind king. It's broke. I was going to yeah. say the grinder king, but then I realized there's a context that that Yeah, there be. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I <misinterpreted>. <laughs> <laughs> Not a kid. <laughs> Welcome back to Remember the Game. Um, yeah. But what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. But no, like, and, and, and so, like, to me, I really want to give this game credit for that, especially considering how many weird things it does. And I know that it's from Squaresoft, and Squaresoft kind of, they know their way around an RPG. But, yeah. uh, but, uh, I, I was, I was, like, dude, I got to the end of the game, 
And uh, and this is my How'd angry you like Adam, that last boss battle. Well, my angry Adam story is coming in a second. But I got to the <laughs> final boss and I died a couple of times, which I'm like, I'm never because I was underpowered, but just, you know, it's a final boss. It's a little tough. You got to figure it out. Uh, but yeah, I she had out. she had like three or four like attacks, Ugh. and one of them was a pain in the ass because you couldn't dodge it. Like there was, yeah, I think there was two you could dodge pretty easily, but there was one where she just like swept the whole so, screen with some kind of machine gun type. So yeah, it's a magic attack, but some kind of like sweeping magic attack. Yeah, and you basically had to get right to the edge of the screen to not get hit. Um, yeah, but you had to start at one end and run to the other, but I found, I found in a lot of the, the, especially in the, so the final boss fight, um, I found casting haste on myself made a huge difference. Like yeah. it was such a little spell that maybe most people don't like, I, I love using haste in like final fantasy games and stuff too. But in this game, like you, it's not just, it's not your active time bar thingy that is speeding up. It's the movement of your character on the screen as well. And when you're actively yeah. trying to dodge these attacks, that's a huge fucking thing. So well, especially like the final boss has huge attacks. Like yeah. it, you know, I yeah, I can't. One's like needles. The machine gun one I'm thinking of is like needles that she shoots all over the place. And then there was two like big pillars of fire. Yeah, and then it and had then like that big like purple attack. sweeping beam thing that went across the screen or whatever the fuck it was. It was. So yeah, the, yeah. the final boss has got like a whole bunch of and like I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, but I'm not going to talk about the story. I'm going to talk about the 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 post boss uh like 30 seconds of the game and so i guess if you don't want to know maybe skip for a couple minutes but i don't really think this is spoiling anything for you so you fight the final boss and you're on like a ship and you got to fight the boss like three or four times it's got different forms different forms different forms and i i didn't find them too hard the third form i found to be the toughest form and uh and once i beat it then i beat it um so and Okay, no, you don't want to spoil this. I was going to ask, I'm trying to remember what the final boss, it's not Eve, right? Uh, I don't think so, but that's, okay, so that's where I want to, we're going to, we'll end on that, because I do kind of want to gripe about this story for a minute at the end. But I want to get, let me just, so I fought this boss, and I killed the boss, and then once you kill this final boss, then it triggers like an escape sequence, where basically, it's not, it's not even really that fast. It's just this slow-moving glob chasing you through the ship. And all you basically have to do is run down the ship, make the ship self-destruct, get off the ship, and not get touched by this. Because if this blob touches you, it's game over. And this is, I played this natively on the, because, oh yeah, for the record, I think I'll probably explain this in the intro. But this is why it took so long to get this episode out. I could not get a ROM of this game to work. And so I finally just, I had to get a shout out to my buddy Dave for hooking me up with the PlayStation 3. And I bought this game off the PSN to play it. So I'm playing without save states. Like I, I went old school and played the game the way it was designed to be played. And so that means when I beat this final boss, which is like a 20 minute fight, then I got to do this escape sequence. There's no saving between killing that boss and getting away. So if I fuck up this getaway, I got to fight this boss again. Now I got to emphasize this. The escape is not hard. It is not fast. As long as you keep moving, there's really no way you're going to get caught. But you're running through the ship, and in classic PlayStation 1, here it fucking comes, in classic PlayStation 1 fucking fashion, it's not one giant open scene, it's like, oh, go down this ladder, go through this door, go up these stairs, and it's loading a new screen, loading a new screen, loading a new screen, and I'm so close to getting away from this thing, and you go into the basement of the ship, and you trigger this thing so it's going to explode, and then you climb up this ladder, and you go out a hatch. 
And when I came out of that hatch, Tyler, the ladder I climbed was against a wall at the bottom of my screen, okay? So my character <laughs> came to the bottom of the screen, then climbed the ladder. So my thought is that, like, well, when it gets me to the next level, I'm going to have to run up because I'm at the bottom of the screen. So when it loads the next screen, I'm holding up. The hatch I came out of from that ladder was at the very top of the screen. And when I pushed up, I got stuck behind the hatch. And then the blob came out, touched me, game over, reload your last save, fight the final boss all over again. And the rage that I felt <laughs> from that, because it was like, you didn't even give me a chance and you can't, don't fucking sit there and tell me that all I had to do was wait for the screen to load because the game has been teaching me for the last 90 seconds of running away from this blob that you don't really have time for the screen to load. The second the screen comes up, you should just be moving. And in every other screen that loads, it's obvious which way you move. If I go through a door on the left, I'm going to come into the next screen on the left. So if I go up a hatch at the bottom of the screen, is it not safe to assume I'm going to come out at the bottom of the screen? And it fucked me. That fucking blob came up and touched me. And I was like, don't, don't you fucking dare. And then it's like a 15 second animation. And then it just says game over. And then when I load up my screen, where am I? On the bay of the ship getting ready to go out to fight the final boss. And I was so angry. And keep in mind at this point, I'm already done with this game. I'm like, this was a fine experience. This story's kind of dumb. I'm done. And now I need to fight this entire fucking slog of a final boss again. I was... I have no idea if you even know what part I'm talking about, but the, I was so mad. Yeah, I, I remember it. I thought he was the final boss, and now I'm remembering kind of what happened. Oh. <laughs> it sucks. Why put that fucking escape sequence in? Like, if they had, and the thing is, there is a, because uh, you save, you go to phones to save in this game. And there is a phone that you run by, but if you try to save right after you fought the boss, he's probably going to get you. So you kind of just have to go. And I'm thinking like that's fair. Like it's you know what I mean. Like I'm not like I'm not like I'm not gonna fuck this up. This is an easy escape sequence. This should be a piece of cake. And I just got completely stuck in classic PS1 format. Like she's fucking walking. It almost looks like she's moonwalking forward. Like her, <laughs> like she's running but not moving. And I'm stuck on this fucking hatch. And it oh god, it just it left a very bad taste in my mouth. And I'll be honest with you, man, it's been a couple weeks since I finished the game and I'm glad and you and I fired up. I'm glad we waited a couple weeks to record this. Cause if we had recorded this, like the day I've, I finished it, I would have given this game like a four. I would have written it <laughs> off. Cause I was so mad at that. I hate final bosses in games. I fucking hate them. And the final boss in this game actually isn't even that bad, but I still fucking hate them. No, especially like you said, you don't want to spoil it. So I don't want to say who the final boss is, but I, like it's, it's fucking gnarly. Yeah, like, it is. It's a cool concept gross. for a final boss. Yeah, yeah. super, super cool. Um, and just even like, you know, it's one of those things like in Dragon Ball, like this isn't even my final form. Like yeah, it just yeah. keeps going. It's great. Well, like, yeah, like not, I, I mean, I don't think we're spoiling anything, but just like, so basically like the final boss starts out as like an infant. And then yeah. because the the mitochondria in this, in this creature is so fucking exploded powerful it's like aging like fucking crazy so you kill this infant now it's an adult now it's a bigger adult and it's i yeah. really really you know i don't want to say who it is or what it is but really cool idea i liked that 
Um, yeah, but it's like the purest form of what's kind of going on. Like the mitochondria with Eve, like she's an infected person or whatever, right? right? right. Yeah. And it's the same even with Aya, Aye, Aye, Now that said, though, like, I found, and this is kind of where I want to start wrapping it up. I didn't think that the story was necessarily bad, but I thought it could have, I thought it was a great concept that could have been a lot better. And maybe, admittedly, Maybe that's just because I I don't find science very interesting at all. And so maybe I just maybe just wasn't for me. But it was like, dude, there's so many cutscenes in this game where they get into like the mitochondria and what happens and the science behind it and that fucking little science science nerd shows up and he's like giving you guys advice and trying to help and and it, I just like I was like I felt like there was so at points so much dialogue and I just thought it was so boring and I was like She's a crazy mutant thing who's going to make everyone light on fire and I'm immune and I have to stop her. That's all I need to know. Maybe that's just me, but I, and then there's, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but like your relation to the main villain, like to Eve, uh, like maybe I'm wrong, but like, I kind of knew what it was going to be in like the first hour and a half. Like, am I, do you know what I mean? Like it didn't, like I was expecting a big twist and then it was just like, no, what you thought was happening is what's happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. No, exactly. And it, it's, yeah, it's real linear in that regard. Yeah. Like, and it just, it's more like timing, right? You, you know what's going to happen. Like they kind of spill the beans right at the beginning. Yeah. Or like, and like, and you're constantly expecting there to be like a hook where they're like, ah, but you, that, that was wrong, but no, that is what it was. Um, yeah. And again, to, to kind of like, and we'll wrap this up, but like, this is like, the combat was really cool, but I would have liked to see it be a little bit better. And the story was really cool, but I would like to see it a little bit cool. It, it did a lot of stuff good, but not great. Um, it was just such a unique combination of so many elements that like, I, I enjoyed it. Like, I don't know if I'll ever play it again, but I don't look like, you know what I mean? When you finish a game and you look back, you're like, I'm never fucking playing that game again. And, uh, I don't feel like that with this one. I'm like, I probably won't, but it's not cause I don't like it. I just feel like I've done everything I want to do with it. But, so, you should play it again. Oh, God. I d- it's so slow. I don't want okay. to. There's, there's like an extended different boss if you play it again and you find out a bunch more information. Uh, like, it totally changes. I'll YouTube it. Uh, all right, YouTube it. But you basically, you go, you get access to the Chrysler building and there's just like a whole nother story arc, arc that kind of goes into you like... Uh, I think it's like more of the origin of like the mitochondria inside Ada's body and all that. But now I and, will. And Eve, and there's a whole connection with dead sisters. And, you know, it's like the, the story just gets, it, like in true Squaresoft kind of storytelling. Yeah, there's yeah. more if you want. If you want. <laughs> but now I will say, uh, good on them because especially back in this era, like if you had paid, you know, 60 bucks or whatever for this game and beat it in eight hours and been like, well, that was all right. You know what I mean? Like, and I think maybe that's kind of a product of the times to add something like that to a short game or to give you a new game plus and give you reasons. Yeah. I very rarely play new game plus on my games because I'd rather play something else, but I'm never, ever going to criticize a game for adding new game plus because I think that for people that did really enjoy it, that want to play it again, that's fucking, that's great. You know, and I, and I, and I respect the developers respect consumers dollars and are like, we'll give them a little bit more, you know, a little bit more to eat here just to keep them busy. Or maybe, maybe they don't respect our dollars at all. Maybe they finish it and they're like, this game is seven hours. People are going to be fucking pissed. So they're like, all right, well then just let it loop 
and let them play. You know what I mean? But and the fact that the new game plus and not to get into it, but the fact that the new game plus isn't just another playthrough with a higher difficulty and the same weapons, but there's a whole different story and stuff. I think that's yeah, I, I love I I really do like when developers do that kind of stuff. So good on them for that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, um, all right. Well, we're at uh oh, we never even got into the well, that spoils stuff. Uh, so I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say a little too much sperm talk for my liking. <laughs> like the word <laughs> sperm comes up a lot in this game, and I'm not trying to be like an immature idiot, but I just was like. I was a little shocked that there was such a focus on sperm in this game because there's a lot of sperm talk. Like this is the spermiest game on the PlayStation, unless Leisure. Yeah, Shoot, well, I don't is know that what the Shoot slimy orange mass is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone <laughs> turns into is orange masses of sperm. Yeah, um, it's just a giant gob of sperm like, ripping uh, around in New York. Uh, unless, unless Leisure Leisure Suit Larry had a PS One game, and I don't know if he did. Uh, this has to, so. then this has to be like, and I just realized this game was rated mature. That's crazy. Um, I did not know that. I didn't, I would have never guessed it. I, I don't think there was anything in this game that justified rating it mature. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's a maybe just the themes. Yeah. Uh, sperm. There's a lot of sperm talk. You little kids being like, what is sperm? Mom. Yeah. Why well, are these lots girls... of talk of evolution and death and yeah. kind of, I don't know. I just, I was, I'm not even upset about it. I'm just a little shocked. That's all. But, um, I'll be honest, man, unique fucking one of the most unique video games I've played. And, uh, I, I agree with you. I think you brought up a great point that this game to an extent is a little bit of a trailblazer. Um, and, and, you know, maybe very loosely blazing the trails. Cause it doesn't, it kind of refuses to go down one road for too long. It tries to go down like eight roads at once. But um, I, 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 I thought it was a really cool game. I, I was, no complaints. Like I paid six bucks for it. I would have paid more than that. You know, I, I'm, I don't, I didn't hate it. I thought it was a cool, I'm, I'm really, have you played the sequel? You said you have. I played two. I haven't played the third one. Did, did you like the second one as much? Better, more. Yeah. yeah. I liked it more. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I'm, I think it was it. an improvement. An improvement on a lot of the uh, aspects of the first one. That's all I want the sequel to be is just this better. If it's just this you know, better, <laughs> I'm happy with that. So, Aya is no longer an FBI or a cop in New York. She's an FBI agent. That's oh. the only improvement I needed. Is it still in New York? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Fuck yeah. I love New York. I love this. Shout out to anyone listening to this from New York. I fucking love New York. Um, okay, we've been going for over an hour. I feel good. I got my rant out. I've been saving up that fucking rant about that fucking escape sequence for so long because it just is bullshit. Um, Tyler, what are we going to fucking score this thing out of? Uh, there's six days. Out of, there's six days in the game. Oh, what, did you have a better system? Oh, I was going to say out of the mitochondria, but six days is better. Oh, yeah, fuck, out of the mitochondria. Fuck off. I can't <laughs> even spell that fucking word. Um, M- M-I-T-O. My no, name. you already butchered it. No, I didn't. M-I-T-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-A. M-I-T-O... I mean, we're not... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, next week on yeah, Remember next the week Spelling Bee. Adam spells the game. Um, <laughs> so on a, on a scale, we'll go six, because there's six days. What would you give... Uh, what would you give... Uh, Parasite Eve? 3.75. Oh, I just ah, looked it up. Not... I did I did spell mitochondria right, FYI. Shut the fuck up. No, come M-I-T-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-A. on. M-I-T-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-A. That's exactly what I said, I think. 
now, but now <laughs> it's now the words now the words you out on your bullshit. Now the words spontaneously combustor in here, and I know I can spell combust spontaneously. Okay. I don't know if I can spell that off the top of my head. Anyway, it doesn't matter. As well, <laughs> dude, how do spelling bee kids do this? Because I know that I'm going to hear about it if I spell a word wrong. This is pressure. This is hard. And spelling a word without seeing it and writing it, that's difficult too. Anyway, sorry. Well, well and I, those kids get hard freaking words. Oh, those kids are beasts, man. If you've never sat down and watched a spelling bee, watch that shit. That's some entertaining fucking television right there. <laughs> that's good stuff. Uh, sorry, out of six, what would you give this thing? Uh, I was going to say 3.75, but I'm going to go with a four. Yeah, that's. I mean, I got. I it make it makes for bad radio. So I'm gonna go three and a half. But yeah, I was in around that four. I, I just. I don't. I'm it's, not. It's I'm, good. It's groundbreaking. It has a lot of elements I really liked. It's slow, but like I like I said, I don't remember it being slow because at the time, like most games were at a similar pace, like right. Resident Evil, Final Fantasy. Like you put the time in, so it actually seems faster than some of those games. Because like to be. Final Fantasy, like 40, 40 plus hours. Yeah. Oh, dude, this game is the perfect length. Maybe, like, I even felt like it could have been an hour or two shorter, but that's just me. I, I Perfect length. I just, like, because I'm not penalizing it for, for the warts from its era to now, because I, dude, I had never played, at least not played through any of the original Resident Evil trilogy until I started this podcast. So I've played all three of them in the last three years since I started the show, and I think all three of them have aged well, frankly. I mean, they're ugly, but I still think that the gameplay is age fine. Um, yeah, and that's the big thing is graphically they don't they're not going to age well. But no. I mean, you and know, not, mechanics wise, that's what you look at. Right? Yeah, I would never ding a PS One game because I think its graphics have aged badly. Uh, I I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was it was, it was fine. Uh, it was it was like if I if you get, if I had to describe this girl, this game in one word, I, it'd be either like good or fine. It's not great. It's not going to make my list. When I when if I ever do a my favorite PlayStation games of all time, it's not going to make that list. But uh, but I I didn't hate it. I thought it was uh it was it was it was good. I I don't know how else to describe. It was good. It was a good game. Uh, too yeah, much solid. Sperm. Four out of ten. <laughs> too much sperm or four out of six. Uh, S- Depending P- on you are more sperm. Yes. S P E R M sperm. Uh, <laughs> buddy, thanks for doing this, man. <laughs> that was the best joke of the whole podcast. I fucking nailed that, man. I fucking nailed that. <laughs> the build up with the spelling bee, that was perfect. S P E R O. Uh, buddy, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. And uh, at some point down the road, you and I'll talk about Parasite Eve too. Oh, perfect. That'll be great. You got it, buddy. Thanks, man. I man, I hope they do a remake well, at that time. I hope there's oh, a me remake too. coming up, dude. I okay. I was about to hit end. But yes, I I can't think of a PS1 game that I want to see remade more that I've played uh, than this one now. And I, well, yeah, and I'm sure there are some, but I, like Final Fantasy IX to me is as playable today as it was back then. I don't think it needs a remake. And No, just and, a graphics update even. Sure. Like a reskinning. And like, but like all the other, like, I mean, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Twisted Metal. No, but I have Twisted Metal Black. No, I'm going to stick with Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve is the one that I want to see get remade. And I don't think we're ever going to get it, but maybe we've put it out into the universe now. So maybe we will. Well, there's an executive from Squaresoft listening. Oh yeah. They all listen. Yeah. 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 They're just waiting for, (laughs) they're, they're, they're keeping an eye on our Patreon count. And if it gets big enough, they're going to cash in a lawsuit for me using their music. And uh, and I'm fucking done. <laughs> and that's how they'll remake it. <laughs> and that yeah, and they'll use that money to remake Parasite Eve. And it'll, it, I won't even get a credit either. That would be bullshit. <laughs> and then I'll review it on the show and rip it apart. And then we'll end the show on that. And that'll be full circle. Uh, <laughs> Tyler, thanks for doing this, buddy. I appreciate it. No problem.
that's going to do it for this week's episode. Tyler, thank you so much for giving me a call and talking Parasite Eve with me and every single one of you hot dogs listening to me right now. Thanks for giving us a chance, whether this was your first episode, whether this was your 150th episode, I guess 152nd is possible, whatever. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for uh, supporting the podcast. And if you enjoyed it, if you enjoy what we do, maybe consider supporting us on Patreon. You're going to get a mountain of stuff. It's only two bucks a month. It helps me out. It keeps the show alive. I don't have an IGN or a kind of funny or somebody supporting me. I'm just an idiot in his spare bedroom with too much time on his hands. Uh, Two bucks a month, you'll get over... I think it's about 100 bonus podcasts now. Two new podcasts every week, access to our Discord, the ability to write in comments, all this kind of stuff. You can DM with me and you're supporting the little guy. I really, really appreciate that. This Sunday's episode of Expansion Pass is probably going to be a Returnal review or it's going to be ranking my favorite non-Nintendo franchises ever and then we'll switch the order. But in the next two weeks, that'll that's what you're going to get on the next two Sundays for your $2 a month. Plus, next week's game patch will be our E3 review, which I hope is fucking awesome because I think E3 is going to be awesome and I'm really, really excited. Patreon.com slash Remember the Game. We have a P.O. Box. You can find the full address at RememberTheGamePodcast.com but it is P.O. Box 69181 Edmonton, Alberta, Canada T6V1G7 Just shoot me a postcard or a letter. Something small. I'll write you back. We'll be friends. It's fun. Uh, and while you're at RememberTheGamePodcast.com you can check out our merch. We have hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, tank tops, all kinds of fun stuff. Well, well, that's all of it, but there's, but all of those are over at RememberTheGamePodcast.com. And finally, check it out over on Twitch, completely free if you want it to be, if you want to, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to beg you for money over there. I just want you to come hang out and say hi. Look for Member the Game on Twitch. I'm usually there Tuesday, Wednesday nights, and Saturday afternoons playing video games and arguing with the hot dogs, and it's a lot of fun. And that's going to do it for everything. I'll be back next week with episode 153 of Remember the Game and then all the other podcasts, because that's all I do anymore. Now I'm going to do the shout outs, and then I'm going to, uh, well, I'm going to edit the podcast. That's the next thing on the list. But uh, thanks a lot, you guys. I appreciate it. Talk to you again soon. Cheers. Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not produce all the content I'm churning out these days without all of your support. So I would like to take a quick moment to thank everyone that has supported us at patreon.com slash remember the game. And a couple of quick footnotes. I record this at the beginning of the month. So if you sign up during the month of June, thank you very much. You'll get into July's month end shout outs because we're over 300 people and I just can't fucking record this every week because it's it's a mile long. So 306 names and I'm probably going to fuck a bunch of them up and I'm reading them in a random order. So I don't know where you'll be in here, but a huge thank you to... <gasps> Denny Proudfoot, Lukey Mole, Joshua J. Hazelman, Swanee, Dan Taylor, The Gray Bearded One, Borrow, Tunable Power, Eden Awaits 1981, Burgerock, Benjamin Johnson, Jared Boschlian, Boschlian, Kyle Dodd, PP Poo Poo, Cuckoo Pants, Kaiser Dragon, Ryan Groinus, Rob Strothman, Astro Alpica, Daniel, The Shauner Honor, Trapper Keeper 1000, Leon Nabskog, Master Boyg, Darth Obvious, Paul Holder, Nerdy Retro Gamer 86, Daniel Stildum, Lee Evans, Kenneth Michael Brown, Emily Luna, Jerry Robinson, Franklin Jierce, Tristan, Game Nomad Messi, David Moore, Broken Spoilers, Matthew Day, Plucky B, Super Dave, Owen the Game, Fur Chuck, Brynamite, Joe Kirby, Dale Baker, Dale Baker again, Ian Watts, Jeff Bergeron, Paul, Ronnie Sachs, Hammond Agger, Josh Valentini, Chance McCoy, Sean Radford, Karth from KOTOR, Scott Roseberry, Shannon Willis, Astral Soul, Big G, Classic Crusade, Chris Dory, Russell Aldridge, El Sock, Adam Fair, Tom Maya, Oprah's Iron Fist, The Old Man of Gaming, 
Lightning, a Sharp J, Lee, Lee Sparks, Zonko 504, Scarlet, Kyle Bolton, Chris Freeman, Tom Calvert, Seth Mayfield, Jose E. Marco, Titan 420, S2 Vaughn 5000, Bones 02, Guest House Productions, K Cuz, Candido, Born to Do It, Daniel McKee, Dan Wagner, Elijah 232, Joseph Gonzalez, Tim Chambo, Captain Cool, Explode Processing, Nathaniel Shelley, Swedish Fish, Omega 88, Tent Sparkster, John DeShazo, Squint, Scary Heather, Corey Street, David Phillips, I Worked at Subway, Raul Aguiar, Joel LeBlanc, Johnny CCDC, Wolf Magic 2K1, Paul Zoe, Fob, Kerry Waka Waka, Ryan McCown, Trevor Seven Oaks, Mike Burks, Nathan Freak, Too Loud for the Crowd, Pizza Power, Matt McLean, Doogie, Logan Hale, Logan Hale, J McC, <laughs> fuck, J Mix MC, Cody Poland, Murat Pepper, Spencer C. Weiss, Cody, Chris Coplin, Electronic Emotions Program, K Jam, Lord Finish, Aaron Baker, Dane, Goth C, Good A, Mega Man 2 OG, McJr, Jafar, Rogue Agent, Kinslayer, Thor the Hammered, Stefan Fukasawa, Joshua Davis, John Byrne 86, Andy Hudson, Retro Bismol, Sam Wright, Seriously Rob P, Derpimus Prime, Mr. Me Seeks 406, Ninja Lunchbox 79, Wolfgang Darren, Boognish, Brendan Hine, Troik Zuniak, Brian Robbins, Ferdy Martinez, JP Retromania, AJ Freeman, AJ Jones, Kevin, the Anti Spatial Podcast, A Novel Console, M. Felf, Zoo Troy, The Honest Pokemon Trainer, Sean Clifford, Pi Messiah, Jesse Clark, Kelly, Rodrigo Tomazi, Derek Jane, Mercury869, Mad Shibs, Potato Bob Guy, That One Kid Nick, Dana Wucherall, Amy Gillen, James Anderson, MPG and Buffalo, Pat Duddy, 8 Bit Booby, Poops Loomis, Raging Demon, Mr. Satan, Tommy, Tony Sherichetti, Silver Grunion, Peebs, Wolverine Films, David Schnatterer, Martin Greenwood, Dominic S. Thompson, Tim L., Adam Beasley, G9PSX, PB McFadden, Jared the Giraffe, Tim Real, Starl Probin, Jay Clutch, Very Cool Dude, Vincent L., X Water, Retro Ghosty Ghost, Ryan Bra Bayshore, Christopher Russell, Mike Maloney, Defunct, Tommy Reynolds, Ryan Kinchin, Arpad Boros, Jer Bear, S2S, Adam J, Zane Donovan, John Quack, Ryan Yeager, Morgan, Geek Life Radio, David Ray, Danny Vega, Tom Kite, Brian Medeiros, Andre SJA Flash, A-Town, Mark Jones, Nathan Tromblay, Chris Knife 007, White Burrow, Miles from BringBackRetro.com, Brian Ransom, Mr. Nick, Michael Hag, The T-Word, Miklos Blackshaw, Aaron Lawson, Stitch, Dario Omen, Adam O'Sharello, Jeff Johnson from Game on GNT, Craig Rutt, Leon K, Scott Brooks, Yamcha, Wyman Brooks, Chuck Schlarp, Chris Campbell, Brandon O'Brien, Mackenzie Wheeler, No One Cares, David Thompson, Dan T, Aaron Cuphall, Adam Anderson, Ben Boucher, Matt Brown, Little Buddy Foo Foo 89, Mark 209, Kyle Paul, Vlad Steed, Nick Sills, April Zane, Alex Martinez, Brian McKay, Fraser Burns, The Good Enough Gamer, Jason Cortez, Kevin Hufford, Do How, Dylan, Jordan, Desert Tortoise, Joe Mack, They Call Me Badger, Kate Roberts, Luca Resconicto, Die Volk, Gary C., Andrew Wright, Rick Sheldon, Scott V, Charlie Medeiros, Ch Josh Morgan, Chris Fleury, Doug Dorn, Evan Refuse, Slick Rick, Ben Bulia, Ashley Cronin, Bitter, Nathan Warzica, Joe Gillespie, DNA Gaming, Dave McGee, Sean Razine, King Bahamut, Robert Lippa, James Clark, Chris Sumner, Keegs and his stupid arrow handle, Jeffrey Mathis, Joshua Shenfield, Fake McHugh, Michael Mathis, Tyler Freezer Burnt, Stupid Monkey, Andre Sharonic, Ben Drinking, Joe Buck, Todd, Makeshift Money, and Dave. Holy ass. Five minutes? Eh, fuck me. <sighs> it's best problem in the world to have. Thank you all so much for the support. Consider it a badge of honor if I fucked up your name, which is probably about two-thirds of you. Uh, much appreciated. Talk to you soon. Cheers. <laughs>